You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Episode 7, as well as Star Wars Rebels and all the other fun and exciting new projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing pretty good, but I think I'm coming down with the case of Star Wars Rebels fever. I've been exposed to the new Dawn novel. I'm seeing all these great clips and video TV spots. I don't think I'm going to make it, but I might start feeling better on October 3rd. <laughs> yeah. I finally see it. It'll be which, the cure. <laughs> which is like two weeks from now. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, a little over two weeks. But yeah, our next episode might as well just be a review of the Star Wars Rebels premiere after we've seen it. But um, I mean, before we get to that, uh, thankfully, that's not like this week because we also have a ton of uh, Star Wars Episode 7 news and rumors to talk about. Um, it's been like three weeks since our past episode, a little longer than we usually go. And I mean, there haven't been any real big, huge pieces of news or rumors going around or anything like that. But it's just been a lot of little stuff that's been sort of piling up. And so we've got a lot to cover in this episode. Um, but I mean, I think the the place to start off is just that we we know that Episode 7 has now resumed shooting. Um, our last episode was back in August. And, you know, they were taking a, a two-week break while Harrison Ford recovered from his injury. Um, and now, you know, sounds like everybody's back on set. They're all back to work. Of course, we've got some new leaked images and videos and stuff like that. So we know that they're back to filming the movie. But, uh, yeah, it's just good to know that everything is, you know, as far as we know, everything's back on track. And, uh, you know, they're back to making the movie. And hopefully there won't be any more delays and things will be smooth sailing from here on out. Yeah, that's the important part. Hopefully everything just because a nice smooth shoot for principal photography goes on schedule and no one breaks any more legs or ankles or anything like that. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, especially um, Harrison Ford again. Imagine if he gets hurt a second time. Oh, that would not be good. He's just going to quit altogether. Like, That's it. I had enough of this character and this franchise. <laughs> He's just going to blow this thing and go home. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, we've got a lot of uh, set images and that sort of thing. Um, probably the biggest piece of news that's been going around lately is um, there was a, a pilot who ha just happened to be flying over the Episode 7 shoot and, you know, took an aerial shot of uh, this set that looks like, you know, maybe some loading bays or something. And there's a picture of an X-Wing and a Millennium Falcon, or it's like half of the Millennium Falcon. But, uh, you know, everybody was making a big deal out of this and they're like, oh, look, it's, you know, sh new ships that we're going to see in Star Wars. 
And, I mean, my first reaction on seeing it was, okay, it's not really that big a deal. Um, we already knew that there were going to be X-Wings, and, of course, we knew that the Millennium Falcon was going to be in it, so this isn't really anything new. But then, I mean, it's this sort of thing that just wouldn't go away, and over the next few days, we kept seeing more and more sites reporting on, you know, oh, look, there's images and there's videos, and I guess they're shooting at this place called the Greenham Commons in England, um, and it's, you know, got all these mounds that you know, look like they make good sets for X-Wing landing bays or something like that. Um, but, I mean, as we've seen more and more images come out of here, um, you know, you see more of sort of the inside of these cargo bays, and you see more different shots of the ships. And, uh, I mean, one thing that's kind of cool, it looks like there might be some different colors and paint jobs on the X-Wings. Um, like, there's one, it looks like there's one that's maybe white with, like, some blue deco on the wings, and then there's one that looks like it's black with some orange on it, so, um, yeah, I don't know if these are, like, some specialized ones, or if, uh, you know, maybe the X-Wing pilots in Episode 7 have just taken to customizing their ships even more, and everybody's got their own personalized ones, um, or maybe this black one is supposed to be some sort of special, you know, special ops stealth X-Wing or something like that, but either way, it should be really cool to see, um, you know, some, some new variety and paint jobs on these ships in addition to the, uh, you know, the new shape and model of them that we already know we're going to see in the movie. Yeah, I got to be honest. When it comes to these type of set images, they do a lot to get me even more hyped up and excited about the movie that's going to come out in a year, in a few months from now, because I just go back to the episode one and even the episode two's days where some images from the set would get leaked out and you get little glimpses of the actors and costumes or different ships and vehicles. And there's just something about it where it just really gets me amped up. And it's like, Oh man, there's a new star Wars movies being filmed right now. We're getting a little inside sneak peek into it. Of course, it's not an official <laughs> sneak peek, but the fact that we're just seeing these cool ships and like the new sets and just all this stuff that just gets me really amped up. And <laughs> seeing these X-Wings did that job for me, just like it did back for episode one and episode two. I don't remember too many episode three, set pictures being leaked out but mainly episode two and episode one stick out so then it's happening again with now episode seven so it got me excited when i first saw these especially seeing the x-wing and then the falcon too i mean we saw some images of the falcon on the pinewood studios like soundstage type areas but now seeing it outside and this half of it anyway but it was still pretty cool to see i mean this is pretty much the cockpit side of the Falcon is what's constructed and then the other side of it hasn't been constructed yet. So maybe they're probably just going to shoot that side of it or something to that degree. But it was enough to get me excited seeing the X-Wings. But then uh, the day after was when we got that shot of the black and like looks like orange X-Wing. And that looks really cool. That one, I wasn't expecting to see too many like different variants of X-Wings. I was expecting to see the blue one that we saw from J.J. Uh, Abrams' uh, Force for Change video. So when I saw the first shot of the X-Wing that was just that color, was like, oh, that's cool. We're just seeing another, another angle of it. But then when we saw one that's painted in black, we are like, okay, <laughs> that's something pretty different and was unexpected for me. So just raises this question. It's like, who's going to fly it? Is it a specially custom-made ship for Luke or John Boyega's character or Daisy Ridley's character? I mean, who's going to fly that thing? Or is that going to kind of see everyone have their own distinct uh, X-Wing? Maybe one's going to have a black painted one. Someone's going to have one that's fully... Uh, blue or red or like who knows what they're going to do but I, I think having a variety of excellent is something that's pretty cool so regardless of uh, who's flying it I just can't wait to see it in action I think it's going to be pretty awesome yeah definitely um and then of course you know Latino Review is added again 
with all their rumors and stuff, they say, uh, you know, they, they're posting some of these images and stuff and then asking all these questions. Um, you know, they say like, now the question, who gets to fly that new black sweetness? And why, ha why was the X-Wing we saw previously blue? And why are there so many X-Wings? And then, of course, they answer their own questions. And for the last one, you know, they say, and so many X-Wings out in the stars, will they war? They will. And episode, you know, episode seven includes one big X-Wing fight. Pew, pew. And I'm like, man. <laughs> I wonder hey, who their source was who told them that. <laughs> like, that is some real deep information, and I'm glad they revealed it to us. Like, there's going to be an X-Wing space battle in a Star Wars movie? Who would have thought, Tim? <laughs> I would appreciate a spoiler alert there, Kyle. <laughs> oh, you, well, you just ruined the movie for me. Thanks a lot. I, I'm so sorry about that. I was excited to see these X-Wings, but I just thought they were just going to be in the landing bay and just people standing right by him and in the cockpit but not taking off and now that surprise is gone thanks a lot well, it, it's just because <laughs> that black and orange one looks so nice that you don't want to see it get blown up in a space battle, right? <laughs> i've also heard some uh, like on twitter and stuff wondering like how would the black x-wing might look in the space background uh, because of being a dark colors but then i just think well how cool would it be if we had like a not necessarily a space battle with X-Wings, but maybe on the planets, uh, like inside the inside the planet, where you're just over this base and these images that we're seeing here. Maybe there's a, not a space battle, but just an aerial battle with the ships on the planet. Because really haven't seen too many, I don't think at all, X-Wings fighting on the actual planet. We've seen them taking off of Yavin, of course, but actually having a battle there. That reminds me of that, uh, remember in Rogue Squadron 2 for the GameCube, like the very first level was the Empire's attack on Yavin and you're, you know, like had to escort these transports out. So something like a battle like that, maybe uh, for it's actually on the planet's surface would be kind of something different, but who knows again, just more speculation, but we can confirm there will be the X-Wing uh, battle taking place in episode seven. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, not because of Latina review, because we don't know who their source is, but I think all of us could confirm that anyways, like why yeah. <laughs> would they bother designing new X-Wings and making them all these cool colors and stuff? If they're just going to sit there and do nothing, it's just common sense. Um, exactly. but yeah, I mean, as far as the, the color scheme on the black one, again, it could be a stealth X-Wing, like, you know, maybe it's supposed to blend into the back, the, the black background of space, but also, you know, an aerial battle over a planet, like you were saying, that could be pretty cool too. Um, and you know, even if it was going to be part of a space battle and it was supposed to stand out and you're going to be able to see it, like, I think they're going to be able to do that pretty easily just as far as, you know, the digital technology and stuff like that. They'll have some sort of light reflecting off it or something that makes it stand out just enough for you to be able to see it. Yeah, that's not really a, a concern I had, but saw it brought up on certain, like on Twitter and stuff like that. So it just made me think of, if that is an issue, maybe it's just going to be used for like a planetary space battle or a planetary battle on the, on the surface of it. But I got to ask you too, when you saw these images of the set and you see like the the bases and like how this the set is designed, did you get the, because it's easier to assume that, oh, this could be Yavin, it could, it does have that feel to it, but do you think that's what it is or it's just something that's just reminiscent of that and just whatever planet they're on just has that look to it? Because it does, for me anyway, bring a strong resemblance to what we saw in the exterior of Yavin a little bit in the quick shots we got to see of it in the New Hope. Yeah, well, I guess the thing is, um, I mean, that that probably was the first image that popped into my head. I don't think it's definitely Yavin. I mean, if anything, the the sort of bases or little... I mean, these almost look like their own little garages that they have the X-Wings in. Yeah. Um, I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen these images, it's it's almost like two rows of these sort of mounds with like a road going between them. And then, um, you know, the, the rows are, or the, these mounds are sort of spaced out. 
um, you know, evenly along this road, and each one of them has, like I said, sort of like a little hangar built into it where they're keeping these X-Wings. So it's almost like each X-Wing has its own little garage or something. But these, um, you know, garages, landing bays, whatever you want to call them, they do look very similar to the entrance of the, the Yavin Temple from A New Hope. But, I mean, I don't know if they're just going to be using those structures and going to sort of digitally replace or enhance the the background around them because um, they're just sort of these grassy mounds and uh you know there's like a few trees or bushes scattered around but it's pretty much just like flat grassy hills um and so that doesn't really look a whole lot like yavin because most of yavin that we've seen is a lot of you know sort of dense forest and jungle and all that sort of stuff um and so even though those landing bays look very similar the 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 structure itself like if that's going to be what the planet that they're on actually looks like um i don't think that necessarily looks like yavin of course it could be a different part of yavin but it could be a completely different planet it could be naboo it could be dantooine or you know some other planet that has more sort of grassy plains um you know that we know of or it could be a completely new planet too and i'm sure there will be you know some completely new planets in this movie in addition to um, of course, the rumored, you know, Tatooine and Hoth and all that other kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it should be pretty interesting to see um, what this ends up being, if it's a new planet or, like I said, if it's some existing planet that we know has uh, some environments like this. Yeah, while Leavin was the first uh, planet that came to my head when I saw these images, I am hoping that it actually is something different because I think the planets that we're familiar with, they should be used sparingly if they are going to bring it back. I mean... Tatooine's the obvious one because it's not Star Wars unless Tatooine shows up in one of the, these three movies in the new trilogy. So you got to have Tatooine. But as far as other ones, uh, it should be sparingly, I think, because you just don't want to retread the same thing and have it feel too much like the original trilogy if you're just going to the same planets over and over again. So while it does remind me of Yavin, I'm still kind of having the hope that it's going to be, and I think I'll expect it too to be something different because I don't think they're just going to retread the same things when uh, George Lucas was coming out with the story or Abrams and Kazan were writing the script. I think they want to try to do something different for this new trilogy too. So I'm expecting when we're actually sitting in the theater and we're see these images on the screen, it's going to be a different planet probably. Yeah. And you know, I wouldn't even worry about that too much. Like I wouldn't be disappointed if this was Yavin, but to me it doesn't look closely enough like it. Although, I mean, like I said, for all we know, it could be a different part of the planet because I mean, look at Earth. It's got tons yeah. of different geographic locations, and it doesn't all look the same, even though in Star Wars, planets tend to be the same all over the entire planet. But, um, I mean, even if it is Yavin, I'm sure there are going to be plenty of other new planets in the movie, and I don't think the whole movie is going to take place on Yavin just because we've got some X-Wing bases here. So, um, I mean, yeah, whatever it ends up being, I'm excited to see the returning planets. I'm excited to see the new planets. I'm excited to see the X-Wing battles that are definitely going to be in there. So, um, yeah, that should all be cool. And also, I mean, we've got some more shots and videos from this set of not just the ships, but also of some actors and extras in costume. Um, not really any looks at the, you know, any of the main characters. So we don't see John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, any of those guys. Um, but, I mean, there, there are some extras walking around in... Um, sort of some, some plain looking costumes. I mean, these look like they could maybe be, I don't know, maintenance crews or maybe some sort of militia or something. I mean, they've got sort of, um, you know, just like dark pants, like brown jackets. Some of them have yeah. caps, some of them don't. They have um, blasters, some of them, or two of them anyway. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them have blasters. There are a couple pictures of some X-Wing pilots, too. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, a little bit more of a, of a sense of what some of the background characters in this movie are going to look like. Um, and then we have one rumor. Uh, this is from StarWars7News.com. They've got some of these pictures, and they're saying that one person in the X-Wing pilot outfit looks like Adam Driver. And so they're like, oh, we've heard it rumored that he's going to play a villain, but... You know, it looks like he's actually going to be an X-Wing pilot. And then one of these, you know, I, I don't know what these guys are, but the guys in just sort of the, the brown suits that look like they could be flight maintenance crews or they could be soldiers or I don't know what. But they're saying that one of them they think is Gwendolyn Christie. And I'm like, that could be too. I don't know. But these images are obviously from, you know, taken from far away. Um, you know, these aren't like official production stills or anything like that these are um you know people trying to sneak looks at the set and they're taking these pictures from far far away with really long lens cameras um and so it really is not easy to tell in any of these pictures if that's actually who they are um especially the adam driver one i think is really too hard to tell that could be any guy with dark kind of longish hair um and, I mean, the Gwendolyn Christie one is kind of hard to tell, too. And I know, Tim, you, you said you had some slightly different thoughts on it than I did. But, I mean, either way, it's definitely nothing definitive here. Yeah, definitely can't confirm anything. But, and to opposite what you were saying, I kind of feel that the image of what could be Adam Driver is the one that seems more plausible. Because I could act in that image, you can kind of see, well, yeah, that does look like Adam Driver. He had that long hair. And I think if I'm looking at it correctly, I could see maybe a little mustache <laughs> that he's kind of had in a lot of the images we've seen him in uh, previously. So I think that one's a little more plausible because you know, he does have a, st a distinct look that he's as a, just as a, as an actor. So I don't know if we're going to be seeing too many people who look like him. So that's what just makes me think that that could be Adam Driver. It does To me, it seems to fit his profile that we've seen before. But for Gwendolyn Christie one, that to me is the one that seems more up in the air because that one it just seems like it's even the image is a little more like zoomed in than it is for Adam Driver. But then again, it could be anyone really, like you said, because it is from a distance and you just don't know for sure because of, like you said, they're not right there in front of these actors on the set. So who knows? But I think the Adam Driver one, to me, I feel like that definitely could be him. It just has, he has that look that we've seen before. But uh, besides having possibilities of Gwendolyn Christie and Adam Driver's there, what do you think of the costumes for these extras and just these characters that we're seeing in here? Because it's type of, a, at least those ones, the latest batch that we got, I think it was yesterday, the one with Adam Driver, possibly, there was these extras on set. You kind of get a good look at the costumes where, like, they're just brown jackets and some brown caps. To me, it's like a more, I guess, a more casual look of the Imperial officers because their hats kind of remind me of that, and their jackets, they're not like how the Imperials were, but it's mainly the hats, I guess, remind me of them. There are some type of army look i guess is what they have but it's different from the empire so I'm just curious your take on it because i think it looks pretty distinct and unique for whatever these characters end up being for the new trilogy just kind of set itself apart from what we've seen in episodes one through six so i kind of like how it's having its own unique look so far yeah that's an interesting point that they do sort of look imperial because um yeah i mean the the jackets and the caps and everything do sort of look more imperial as far as the style of them, but then the colors sort of evoke more the Rebel Alliance yeah. with just sort of, you know, those brown earthy tones. Um, and 
again, this could be the, the Empire, these could be part of the Rebels or New Republic or whatever the good guy faction is going to be, or it could be some sort of local planetary militia, just like, um, sort of like the Naboo troopers we see, mm -hmm. or, you know, the Naboo security guards and stuff that we see in episode one. So, yeah, I mean, obviously it's not much to go on here, but, I mean, they don't stand out to me as being like, oh, that's really cool or anything, but at the same time, they don't stand out as being, like, you know, way out of place or stupid looking or, you know, drab and boring or anything like that. I mean, if that was going to be, like, the, the main costume that John Boyega was wearing, I might be a little bit disappointed because, you know, you, you kind of hope to... Um, see something a little bit more interesting from the main characters as far as like their main costumes and looks and stuff like that but I mean as far as supporting characters or extras or whatever it is we're seeing here I think they look perfectly fine um, and you know I, I think it's gonna just fit in and uh, again I, I kind of said the same thing with some of those Stormtrooper helmets too like I, I don't necessarily feel like it's bad or like it's super great, but I feel like it just looks like it fits within the Star Wars universe, and that's perfectly fine. So, yeah, I'm really um, curious too what those uh, we were talking about those two uh, images of that shows like these other soldiers or whatever with the blasters on them. Like you can't really tell if they're wearing these type of masks or not, but they have like these like head coverings on them, almost like uh, almost kind of like a. One of them looks like he has like a turban on him. Well, the other one almost looks like he has a helmet, but it's kind of hard to tell. I'm just curious to see if these are going to be like another type of troops we can expect to see besides the stormtroopers. So, like you said, this raises the question: Is it part of like a whatever the New Republic or the Rebels are going to be, or is it just like a the army or soldiers for this particular planet that they're on? So, I'm kind of leaning more to the latter, where it's just whatever planet they're on, it's just their particular military force. So, but. Again, you know me in Star Wars and Trooper designs and armor, so I want to see more of what these guys are going to look like. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? For all we know, I mean, like I said, with the, the grassy plains and stuff, I guess that maybe this could be Naboo. So maybe they're going back to Naboo, and these are like newer, updated versions of the Naboo security guys. Um, but we also get a look at um, the X-Wing pilot suits again, too, and so it's uh, you know kind of cool to see those. Although yeah. you don't really get a good look at the helmet, which is kind of what I want to see. I mean, you see guys holding the helmets, but you don't see a good shot of one with a helmet on. Um, but yeah, I again, you can... the insignia on there or not. <laughs> yeah, but you can definitely tell that it's more of like a darker reddish-orange uh, jumpsuit rather than like the bright orange ones that they had in the original trilogy. Um, and a slightly different sort of sort of white vest thing over the top of it. So yeah, it looks. Um, it doesn't look a little more baggier to you. Yeah, it does. I, I don't know if it's necessarily baggy or if it's maybe like thicker and more padded. Um, but either way, it does look like it has a little bit more to it. Yeah. Um, just seems like yeah, just a little. Has it definitely the look, but it seems a little bit just a little different from what we're used to seeing, like Luke and Wedge Ware in the, uh, the original trilogy and their X-wing outfits. Yeah, especially in one of them, um, you see a shot of a guy from the back, and it almost looks like there's some sort of backpack or something attached to it. Yeah, um, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of cool to be seeing all these new images and stuff. I mean, I know some people are trying to completely stay away from spoilers, and for me. You know, there's probably a little part of me in the back of my mind that's going like, man, I wish I didn't see any of this stuff until it was like officially revealed. But at the same <laughs> time, you know, this isn't anything big or hugely spoilerish here. 
Um, and, you know, like we said, it's not like we're getting sneak peeks of the main characters acting out big dramatic scenes or anything. It's just sort of some more of the vehicles and the environment and stuff. There's also, um, there's a shot in here too of some sort of, it looks like maybe a speeder or some sort of cargo lifter or something like that. Um, and, you know, so it's, it's just cool to be seeing just a little bit more of sort of the environmental type stuff, I guess you could say. Um, you know, environments, background, characters, vehicles, all that kind of stuff that just sort of makes up the the look and feel of the Star Wars universe. And it's good to see that that's all coming together nicely. Yeah, I love seeing this stuff. <laughs> like I said before, I just can't help but get excited when I see this. I just remember, I'm going right now when I saw these, it's taking me more back to like, because episode one, we saw like maybe one or two images of the Tatooine stuff. But I remember like in 2000 when shooting was like a few months underway for episode two. And then all of a sudden these shots of like, you see Ian McGregor walking on like the lot, you see Hayden Christensen on a scooter <laughs> in a costume and you seen uh, Tim Morrison like in a Django Fett with the like a poncho on him. I just remember just being blown away by seeing that, oh man, these other characters are gonna look in episode two. So why would there, so far it doesn't look like there's any main characters. I mean, maybe it's Adam Driver, we don't know, but I just can't imagine how excited I'm gonna be when if any of these images come out and there's Luke in a costume or Han Solo or even the new character like John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, just seeing the new actual new characters in costume on set for a new Star Wars movie, it's going to blow me away. <laughs> but if we, I kind of hope to avoid like the set leak images. I think hopefully Lucasfilm should release official images of the characters and costumes before those get out. If they're going to do any like on location exterior shooting. So that would be ideal, but Again, I said this before too. The day we see those images of the eight characters in costumes, oh man, I <laughs> will be thinking about that nonstop probably for days and weeks to come. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm right with you there in terms of uh, a being excited to see the main characters in costume, but b you know hoping that Lucasfilm releases official photos of it before we get any sort of leaks because when Lucasfilm releases it and it's supposed to be big news. I want to be surprised. I don't want to see the first official picture of Luke in costume and be like, oh yeah, I already saw that, you know, on set on Latino Review or something. Yeah, you don't want it to be like reactive to like leak stuff coming out because it's, it's what's happening with the new Batman v Superman Batmobile that just got a picture released of it last week because there's tons of set images of it coming out. Then Zack Snyder finally just tweeted, okay, here's a real picture of the Batmobile. You kind of want it to be before like any of that stuff comes out. So yeah, like we said, hopefully they they have a game plan where that won't be the case. And the first time we see them will be an official release images that will blow us all away, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Although now that you mentioned that, like if we do see any leaked set photos of, you know, Mark Hamill or Harrison Ford or any of those guys in costume, maybe I'll just like wait a week after it comes out to look at it in hopes that Lucasfilm will, uh, you know, release their own photos um, you know, sort of in response to that. And then those can be the first ones I see. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best if that's how it goes, because I know I'll be looking whatever comes first. I'll let you know. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. Um, so that is, uh, you know, our sort of the big story of the week with all those set photos and images and stuff. And now we're going to sort of run down the rest of all these rumors and stuff. And we've sort of sorted these in order of credibility, um, so we'll start with, uh, something that hasn't been officially confirmed, but it was reported by BBC news and sounds pretty legit. And we'll end with some Latino review stuff that is way out in the outer rim. 
Um, so we've got this report from the BBC saying that uh, another actor from Game of Thrones, Miltos Yerolamu, I hope I'm saying that right. I could have <laughs> just totally butchered that. But um, yeah, he's another actor uh, from Game of Thrones, and they're saying that he's joined the cast of Episode 7. We don't know what role he's in, but they're saying uh, on Game of Thrones, I need to watch this show. I haven't seen this show yet, but they keep casting people from it in Star Same Wars. Here, I need yeah. to see what these guys are up to. Um, they're saying that in Game in Game of Thrones, he plays an expert in athletic swordsman. So they're guessing that uh, you know he could be playing a Jedi in Star Wars, given his sword fighting experience. They're also saying they don't think this is uh, going to be a major role. And that seems pretty likely, given the fact that... Um, you know, they're announcing this like this late in the game here and that they've already been shooting for a couple of months. And I mean, we can assume they've already filled all the major roles. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't expect this guy to be a main character or anything. But maybe if some of these rumors are he we're hearing are true that, uh, you know, Luke has been around long enough to establish a new Jedi Order and that maybe um, there will be some other Jedi around. This guy could be one of them. Uh, he could be another Sith villain. Who knows? But um, honestly, I, I would not complain about seeing more lightsaber-wielding characters in the movie, be they Jedi or Sith. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make a guess right here. He's going to have a fight sequence with uh, Pip Anderson. We're going to see uh, a swordsman against, go against someone who's real good at parkour. So <laughs> that's going to be a fight sequence we're going to see between Oh, okay. Two. So it could be like kind of like a, a slightly more scaled-down version of Dooku versus Yoda. There you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like Dooku versus Yoda's human equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> or who knows, Pip Anderson going to be doing motion capture. Yeah, I don't know. That should be interesting to see, though. I mean, I haven't really thought much about Pip Anderson since that announcement. You know, we haven't heard a lot of rumors about him and stuff. But I think it would be really cool to see him play, um, you know, some sort of mercenary or bounty hunter or, uh, you know, smuggler or something like that. Somebody who's going to be obviously a lot more sort of agile and athletic and, uh, you know, not necessarily just fighting with, um, you know, a lightsaber or force powers or something like that, but somebody who can, you know, jump and run around and shoot people and then duck under a door and run up a wall and shoot somebody else yeah. and do all these kind of crazy athletic moves. So that could be pretty cool to see. Um, but I mean, if he's in a lightsaber duel, that could be cool to see too. Um, but yeah, like I said, more lightsabers are never a bad thing. <laughs> Definitely not in my book, that's for sure. <laughs> no, and then, uh, okay, so now we've got, I think, like, four, our next four rumors in a row all come from MakingStarWars.net, um, and they've got one talking about the Chrome Stormtroopers. Again, this is something that we hear over and over again, and so at this point, this is sort of something that I'm accepting as, like, okay, this is one of those rumors that we've heard enough times that I think there's some truth to it, Um you know, no, we, we may not know exactly how it's going to play out or what these guys' role in the movie is going to be or exactly how they're going to look, but I do think there's going to be some sort of Stormtrooper variant that's got, you know, black armor or silver armor or something like that. Um, but in their report, um, they've got a source telling them that, yeah, there are two designs for the Chrome Stormtrooper. There's a commander and then a regular trooper, um, and that these guys are the personal guard of the main villain in Episode Seven. Um, which, again, is not really surprising because we never saw any sort of chrome stormtroopers or, stormtroopers or not really any like specialized type of stormtroopers 
in the original trilogy. I mean, obviously, we had, like, the Scout Troopers and the Snow Troopers and stuff, but there was never really, like, an elite type of Stormtrooper. But we did have the Emperor's Guards in uh, Return of the Jedi, you know, the guys with the red masks and everything. Um, and so, yeah, I would not be surprised if we saw some sort of new, you know, sort of cooler-looking elite guard-type Stormtrooper that's going to be uh, tagging along with the main villain here in the movie. Yeah, I just really want to see these uh, images of them once they finally get released. If they are finished shoot, we're going to see Chrome Stormtroopers because they sound really cool. I just can't wait to see what that final design and looks going to be for them. And kind of like you were saying about we've never really seen Stormtroopers kind of be like personal guards or personal troops to like the main villain or so. Kind of like the Emperor's Royal Guard or even uh, General Grievous's Magna Guards in Episode 3 and in the Clone Wars. Because that'd be something cool to see where... It's actual stormtroopers taking the part in those roles, and who knows what special capabilities their chrome armor is going to be. So I'm really looking forward to not only seeing them in action in the movie, but just seeing a, an official image of, of them if it if it does end up being true. Because of course, all this is still rumor now. But like you said, I agree with you. Where we're hearing more and more about these chrome stormtroopers, and it just seems more likely that we're going to see them, or if not, some type of variation of that in the episode seven. So, yeah, I just can't wait to see something <laughs> when it officially gets released. We got to supposedly look at the Episode 7 Stormtrooper helmets, so maybe the Chrome ones aren't too far behind. I just can't wait. <laughs> this is another thing of adding more cool trooper armors to the Star Wars. Is, like I said before, stuff I always get excited for. So this is the next one to look forward to for me. Yeah, although then again, we have heard rumors that the Chrome Stormtroopers are going to have some sort of cloaking technology and be able that's to right, turn yeah. invisible. So maybe that's why we haven't been able to see a picture of them yet. Uh, they have been really sweet. Yeah, they, they could have been right next to the main Stormtrooper helmet in that first picture. You know but they're actually in those Green and Common uh, set images. We just don't see them. <laughs> they're actually <laughs> right by those soldiers. Yeah. Um, and then, so we've got another report from MakingStarWars.net. This has actually been taking, it's been taken down since they posted it. Um, but they posted a report about uh, like some concept art for Daisy Ridley's uh, costume for her character. And, um, you know, this is something we've seen recently with some other leaked concept art. I mean, we saw a picture of Harrison Ford's co uh, couple of his costumes um, and some concept art with uh, supposedly the main villain, the Inquisitor, looking at Darth Vader's mask. And now in this article, they didn't actually have... Um, like pictures of actual concept art of Daisy Ridley's costume, but they had, whoever wrote this article, they had seen a picture of the concept art and tried to sort of sketch it based off of that. Um, just to sort of give us an idea of what it looked like. And at least from my recollection from when I saw this article before it got taken down, um, I mean, it was sort of, it, it was definitely more of like a sort of functional utility outfit. Um, you know, it was sort of like, you know, just a shirt and baggy pants, and it looked like maybe some armor plating and a belt with, you know, lots of, like, pockets and pouches and all that kind of stuff. Um, and some sort of, like, visor-type thing going across the face, and they were thinking that maybe this was going to be an outfit she was wearing on Tatooine, like, while out looking for Luke's lightsaber in the desert or something like that. Um, but... You know, I don't know. Again, it's just sort of one of those interesting things. It's like, well, if this is true, then cool. Can't wait to see it. If not, then, you know, she could be wearing something else. And, of course, you know, the, the chances that uh, somebody's going to be wearing an outfit like that for the entire movie are pretty slim. I mean, most characters end up wearing, you know, different stuff anyway. So um, I don't know if this would have been like her main costume or just something that she's wearing for some sort of Tatooine desert excavation type thing. Um, but I don't know, Tim, did you get to see this before they took it down? 
Yeah, I did get to see it the, when it was first posted, but unfortunately, that was the only time I looked at it. Kind of wish I looked at it more. Now that it's down, I I kind of regret it. But yeah, kind of what you were saying. I do. It does have like that. It's like a utility type suit, and I know she had like a a visor that kind of covered her eyes a little bit. And from what I saw, I remember it did look pretty cool, and how it did had a Star Wars feel to it, so which was neat. But one thing I thought of was because kind of looked like she could be using it like to fix things up or like doing some work on maybe like ships or who knows some other type of transport. It just reminded me that if she does end up being um, Princess Leia and Han Solo's daughter, just like having a little Anakin in her where she maybe likes to tinker with different like droids and ships and stuff like that. Maybe someone, she knows how to fix all those type of things. So that's something that popped in my head. Maybe it'd be kind of neat if she is that type of character, just has a little Anakin in her, just uh, having a little bit of her grandfather in there would be kind of cool to see if she does yeah. that Princess Leia and Han Solo's daughter. Yeah, that's a good point, and that would be kind of cool. Um, I think another thing they mentioned in that article was that, um, like we said, it, it looked very sort of utility mechanic type stuff with lots of pockets and pouches and tools and things on it. Um, and they, I think they mentioned in the article that like this was sort of based off the concept art, but then they had heard that uh, for the actual production, all that had sort of been slimmed down just a little bit for, uh, you know, to either make it easier to film or, you know, make it easier for the character to walk around in um, and just sort of move around. And so they, thought that the actual version that they were using for filming was going to be a little bit more simplified with not quite as much uh, just sort of extra stuff hanging off of it. Yeah, and you know what? This is just coming to mind as we're talking about all these different costumes and stuff and for characters. When do you think we're actually going to start seeing, like officially seeing like the costume release? Do you think it's going to be before this year's over or probably next year, like maybe a little bit before Celebration? Because there's a part of me that thinks maybe once we hit the like actual one year to go point in December, maybe we'll start seeing some little things or, but you know how they like to keep some secrets too. So maybe it'll be a little while longer, but I just thought of that right now as we're thinking about when are we going to see this thing? Cause it's so fun uh, talking about it, what we could expect to see, but we could be totally wrong or totally right. So it's like, you just want to find out for sure so we could start getting these characters in our head and just knowing what they're going to be and start just even making us more excited to what we could expect when we finally see the movie. But I don't know. What do you think this year or next year is when we'll finally see some character, actual images of them in costume. Oh, you know, honestly, I have no idea. Um, you know, obviously I hope it's sooner than later. Um, but I, I would say probably not until they're done with shooting and we don't know exactly when that's going to be, but, you know, probably by the end of maybe this month or next month, um, will probably be when they're done with like principal photography. But, um, I mean, we could maybe see some stuff by the end of this year. Um, honestly, I mean, I wish I could sort of get into a, a Disney marketing meeting or something and just see what their plans are for all this and uh just sort of their process and how they want to go about it because i mean for some movies like star trek into darkness which jj abrams also directed it felt like we knew nothing about that movie until just a few months before it came out um whereas some other movies i mean for the first hobbit movie i know they released the first trailer for that like a whole year before the movie came out so i wouldn't expect a whole like a, a real you know sort of full-length trailer showing us a lot of stuff for episode seven um this december but maybe we could see a first teaser trailer for it you know just showing a couple images or something um you know hearing some john williams music and just seeing that first episode seven logo um and i mean as far as character images 
I don't know, because I can't remember uh, the last time I was so excited for a movie that I would be, you know, jumping all over just, like, the first released images of characters. Um, I mean, like, for for the Hobbit movies and stuff, I'll I'll look at that kind of stuff, but I don't really pay attention to uh, how far it is in advance of the movie, so I don't have it, like, marked on my calendar, you know, this is when the first Hobbit still image came out. So, honestly, I I have no idea when they're going to start releasing character images and I, I sort of get the feeling that it will be you know maybe a little bit later than we would like it to be um but again you know maybe they could end up having uh you know if there's some leaks or something it might force their hand and they might start releasing some stuff here pretty soon i mean batman versus superman isn't supposed to come out till yeah. 2016 and they're already releasing images for it um so yeah i mean it all depends on Disney and their marketing strategy and J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and all, all those guys. And we know how much J.J. Abrams loves his secrets. Um, and so, like I said, I, I love that because I want the the surprises to stay a surprise. Um, and I don't want anything you know spoiled or leaked too early. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind seeing some, you know, just images of the main characters and stuff, seeing those um, sooner than later, but I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully we get something by the end of this year. I would not be surprised if we have to wait till next year, but, uh, yeah, like you were saying, I just hope we get it revealed officially before we get it spoiled. Yeah. You brought up Batman versus Superman. Again. I was thinking the same thing because every time we get a new images for that, like we got Ben Affleck as Batman, we got Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman images. We got the new Batmobile. It's like, man, this movie is, it's definitely way into production, but then you think, oh yeah, it's not coming out till 2016. Episode seven's coming out way before this, and we haven't seen anything too much out as far as characters go and images. So yeah, it just makes you wonder of how like the different studios have their different ways of planning on releasing stuff. So yeah, I kind of hoping I'm gonna guess right now if I had to pick one, I'm gonna say maybe by the time we get to December when we're just a year out. Because I remember I think if I remember back to episode one and seeing like some of the first images of Anakin at the dinner table with uh, Shmi. Uh, the Star Wars Insider issue. I'm pretty sure that was the first time I saw an image of uh, Anakin from episode one. I want to say it was a little, might have been exactly a year before, or maybe just a little bit like over a year, maybe like a month or two before it was actually May of 1998 or something like that. I remember seeing the first image of Anakin and him being the first character from episode one that you saw an image of. So again, just going back on past experiences, that's what's making me think that maybe we might see some from episode seven in the December time period. It must be a nice way to close out the year because, <laughs> you know, pretty much all the production and like news announcements, we don't hear too much during like the holiday break and all that stuff. So maybe end on something big with a nice big image of all the main characters. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I think that's probably a good guess is that, uh, you know, maybe on December 18th of this year, um, maybe on you know starwars.com or something, we'll just see a, a thing that says, you know, one year to go and it's got a picture of, luke skywalker or han solo or something yeah. like that something totally out of the blue where it's gonna be like you're not expecting it and then there boom there it is you just see yeah. it well i don't know because if it was day. on december 18th a lot of people might be expecting it maybe they'll do it a few days before then <laughs> yeah maybe or like at some weird time like sometimes they put stuff at midnight or one o'clock in the morning <laughs> like some of these star wars rebels uh, previews i've been debuting so who knows if we had some weird time frame and then i'll be ready to go to sleep and i'll see it and then I'll be up all night just thinking about and looking at that image. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, there goes my sleeping idea. Exactly, yeah. which I won't complain about if it happens. Yeah. 
Um, and then we've got another article from uh, Making Star Wars, and this is just uh, another one of their sort of rumor roundups where they talk about um, you know a few different things that they've heard um, from you know, one of their sort of reliable sources that they have. I mean, we talked about one of these articles before where they said that uh, they had heard that there was going to be some sort of Ewok massacre where you know after the destruction of the Death Star um, in Return of the Jedi, the Empire was going to go back to Endor and sort of take over the planet and wipe out the Ewoks and stuff. And that was when they were going to um, acquire Darth Vader's mask. And so they're saying uh, this new batch of stuff comes from that same source um, and, uh, so one thing they're saying is that, uh, again, everything I've heard, read, or seen says, uh, Luke's been gone for around 10 years and not 30, um, cause we have some other rumors like a Latino review rumor that we're going to hear coming up soon here, um, that says, you know, Luke's been missing since right after Return of the Jedi, which I've never really liked that idea. I've never really thought it would be that believable. Yeah. Um, and I like the idea that Luke had time to sort of maybe establish a new Jedi order or at least train an apprentice or, you know, do what he's got to do. Just have, have some time to relax and enjoy some peaceful. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Anakin destroying the emperor and destroying the Sith and, you know, it was supposed to restore balance to the galaxy. So it's like, can, can we have some balance and peace and justice for at least like 10 or 20 years? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, again, we've, we've heard a lot of rumors saying Luke's been gone for 30 years. This person, you know, their source is saying he's only been gone for 10. Um, also, they talk about the recent X-Wing pictures, and it says the recent X-Wing pictures with the extras in them. These are the same soldiers that were flanking Leia in the production sketch I reported where she was in the middle of several huts. Um, and, you know, I think we had talked about that before, too, where they said that there was uh, some concept art of Leia... Um, you know, being diplomatic or, you know, whatever, talking to the huts and having some guards or soldiers or something with her. So they're saying these look like those same guys. And it said they still look to me like Naboo guards or pilots, as I stated before. Their headgear is slightly different than the sketch I saw, but otherwise it's the same costumes. So again, this is what one of the things that was making me think, oh, well, could this be Naboo if this person is thinking from the concept art and stuff that they looked like uh, Naboo pilots or guards? Because I mean, obviously they've had a better look at the stuff than we have. Um, so, you know, could be Naboo, could be a completely different planet, or these could just be like the new standard sort of rebel slash republic, uh, you know, military outfits. Um, and then they said on the recent Adam Driver rumor, actually, you know, we can, we can pause here because we've got another rumor that we need to read before we go to that one. Um, but, uh, Tim, any thoughts you had on those first couple things? Yeah, I just... 100% agree first about the Luke Skywalker being gone 10 years. I totally think that's the way it should go and probably will go. And then, yeah, the stuff with the, the pilots and the those guards that we saw in those leaked set images, that that could be something like we were talking about. I mean, you mentioned Naboo before too, so the planet didn't remind me of Naboo, but you never know. It could be either that or it could just be something that's similar to it, but I don't know. Either way, I'll just have to wait and see. I just want to see more of what those guards and those images are going to be <laughs> and the far as they're design-wise. So yeah, that's my take on those two ones. But yeah, let's talk about with Adam Driver, though. <laughs> yeah, the- yeah. I kind of – we've just got you know our internet windows open here with all these tabs up top with all these stories that we're going through. And I skipped over one by accident. Um, and this is sort of the – I guess probably the biggest character-related rumor of the week. Um, and, you know, we've – talked before a lot about uh you know some speculation around adam driver's character there's a lot of uh speculation that he's gonna be playing a villain some people think he might be the inquisitor um and this is sort of a new take on it from making uh making star wars in one of their sources and 
This is actually it's from I think it's from actually a form from Star Wars Seven News, one of their forums users who uh, was had one of their source, and then it kind of was tying into some of the other previous stuff that we've been hearing about Adam Driver, which kind of makes you think uh, maybe some more stuff's coming to light if more of the same information is being provided out there. So. That's where it originated from. Just gonna throw that out. <laughs> okay, yeah, and then um, also, I mean, they they start off by saying, for all the details they claim to know, they don't seem to know his name. Um, so, as always, this is just a rumor. Take it with a grain of salt. But they're saying that Adam Driver's character is a rich, a rich aristocratic heir of an imperial family with a lot of influence, having a high propensity for the Force. He succumbs to the dark side of the Force at a fairly young age. He uses his fortune to travel the galaxy, buying up Sith artifacts. And when Luke Skywalker disappears, the young aristocrat begins to hear voices commanding him to do things. He starts to hunt down every young Force user around Daisy Ridley and John Boyega's age, so, you know, probably early to mid-20s, around that age. Um, and he says, Driver is commanded to kill Luke Skywalker's apprentice, and that who is, that's who he is searching for as the film opens. He has no idea Daisy Ridley is the person he's searching for in actuality. Um, however, at the start of the film, he's hunting John Boyega to cross him off the list, so to speak. He uses his power and influence to board Boyega's Star Destroyer, so you know we're assuming he's still a stormtrooper at this point, because we've heard that rumor a lot of times. Um, so he uses his power and influence to board Boyega's Star Destroyer and kill him. Boyega has no idea who Driver is or what he's all about. Uh, Boyega escapes and decides he's out of the Empire and that the whole wacky or he's out of the Empire and that whole wacky game altogether. Uh, there is supposedly a scene where he eventually reveals who he is to Boyega and Ridley, uh, you know, that being a dark side obsessed psycho. Um, and for the rest of the film, Boyega is on the run from Driver. According to the message board poster, Driver is using all his power to hunt down Boyega, which ends up meaning Han, his son with Leia, Ridley, Isaac, and Chewie are on the run from Driver and his resources, uh, presumably after they take the saber of Luke Skywalker to Han Solo. Um, so... You know, obviously a lot of the, the character and uh, plot rumors that we've been hearing before all sort of coming together there. Although the fact that they're saying that Han and Leia have a son instead of a daughter, that's uh, a new one. Um, but then yeah. they say eventually we see that Driver is a pawn of this more powerful dark entity and that he's nothing more than a religious zealot. He's misguided and being used by the real villain. Doesn't sound like things end up very well for him either. Um, and then they end here by saying it's worth noting that Driver's hair does look pretty freaking aristocratic in the film. Uh, <laughs> Driver has also claimed that the movie is about what happens to people when they are not loved enough. And the story also interfaces with the deeper plot elements known and unknown to the public. Um, it's sort of silly to trust it outright, but in the age of muzzle wump, I have no idea what that is. Uh, That's might actually as well referring to a, a Latino review article. <laughs> oh, what did you <laughs> what say? It's actually referred to a Latino review article, I believe, in one of their rumor posts. Oh, well, yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, that's that's going to be known now, the age of Mizzlewampa. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea what a Mizzlewampa is. But, um, yeah, so, again, they're basically... See, this is what I like about making StarWars.net, is when they post rumors, they say, hey, this is from one of our sources, but they don't even know this character's name, so it sounds kind of shaky, Take it with a grain of salt, but here it is. Let's talk about it. Let's digest it. It's fun to talk about Star Wars rumors, whereas Latino Review is like, hey, guess what? Benedict Cumberbatch is definitely in this movie. And we're <laughs> like, uh, nobody's seen him on set. It's like, that's happening. That's happening for sure. It's going to happen. Totally going to happen. Don't worry. It's real. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and Never. at the end of the day, when we go see the movie, maybe 10% of that stuff will be 
90 to 100 percent accurate and the rest of it will be completely off base yeah (laughs) i can't wait for that time when we go back and look at all this stuff (laughs) that's gonna be fun in itself yeah i should email their main writer after episode seven be like hey you told me this was definitely gonna happen in the movie did i miss something like where was benedict cumberbatch in the movie because you said he was in there so where was he uh i look forward to hearing the reply too (laughs) yeah yeah um but yeah, so I mean, obviously some big stuff here with uh, Adam Driver. And I mean, what was your sort of initial reaction to, to all these rumors? Yeah, there's a lot of it. I mean, there's so much, so much stuff going around with Adam Driver. I've come to the conclusion for myself anyway that I'm pretty sure that he's going to be a villain. You've heard that from a lot of different reports and sources. So I think that's going to happen. But what type of villain he's going to be, that's the question. And the whole thing about him being like a young aristocrat who uh, hears voices, that's a big thing, like, is he hearing voices in his head? Is it going to be like an ancient Sith spirit? or? But then again, it goes back to my old thing, that Sith not being spirits and all that stuff, but maybe a Sith entity that's still out there. He's still alive, maybe, but he hasn't has, doesn't have a physical form, and he's using Adam Driver to fulfill his purpose. Because um, I probably think that's going to happen is that Adam Driver... Maybe he might be like the Darth Maul for this movie. He's only going to be in one movie. and he, The point of his character is to bring about the new ultimate evil for this trilogy, whoever it may be, which <laughs> we'll go into some rumors later on. But that's kind of what I'm feeling with, with that as Adam Driver and his villain role for this movie. But I got to say, too, I've having, been having some conversations with my friend Paul Herman, who's also a listener to the podcast. He has some pretty unique theories as far as uh, Adam Driver. He's been beating the drum of Adam Driver being a villain. And not only that, but also him being, uh, it mentioned here in the article, a son of Han Solo and Princess Leia, in addition to Daisy Ridley being their daughter as well. So that just brings up more fun speculation that that is going to be the case, because even in this article, it brings out and some of the stuff we were talking about, about not feeling loved enough. Is he someone that maybe wanted to be trained in the ways of the Force by Luke or Princess Leia, if she's developed her force abilities more, but they wouldn't allow it. Maybe they sensed something in him that was dark, and then he just kind of went on his own, developed uh, this new role as like a, an aristocrat, and then, but at the same time, being obsessed with the Sith and knowing about his grandfather and how what role he played in the galaxy being a Sith. So, tons of stuff you could speculate on if that ends up being something where he is a solo kid, but yet. Maybe that'll be a secret for the movie, too. Maybe Han and Leia know about him, but maybe Daisy Ridley doesn't know she has a brother. Maybe that's like a big twist later on or something. Like That's the I am your father moment where he gets revealed that he is actually an heir to the Skywalker line and he's playing a role in bringing back the Sith again. So I know there's tons of stuff that this makes you think and this makes for some fun discussion of how the Sith, if they are going to come back, and who's really like the new puppet master controlling the strings and Adam Driver's role in all this. So, yeah, I mean, I just can't wait to find out more when it finally gets revealed. But I do like some of the stuff that I'm hearing in this report and some of the stuff I get to talking about with other Star Wars fans, like Paul Herman, our listener. So, yeah, it just really can just makes you think and just makes your mind wander off. And where is this going to go with the villain and just the main thread that's going to be for this new trilogy of Star Wars movies. Some pretty exciting stuff, really, once it all pans out, I bet. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds pretty interesting. I mean, this is one of those rumors that I hear and, um, you know, still, um, obviously, I'm like, okay, take it with a grain of salt. We don't know any sort of official confirmation on this, but I could definitely see this panning out to be an interesting story if it is true, 
Um, it's not one of those things. It's like, oh, what? I hope they don't do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think the the role that they're describing here, Adam Driver seems like he would fit that perfectly um, as far as, you know, the look. And I don't know about necessarily the mannerisms because I can't say I've seen anything that he's acted in either, but it certainly seems like something he could pull off pretty well. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's an interesting concept for a character and for a, um, you know, for, for a story plot. Also, I mean, like you were saying, the, the thing about, um, what they mentioned here with Han and Leia having a son and not a daughter, cause I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's been assuming this whole time that Daisy Ridley is going to be playing, uh, Han and Leia's daughter. And I mean, uh, the fact that they mentioned here that she's Luke Skywalker's apprentice, I'm like, okay, well, that's a new take on it that, uh, you know, that's sort of her connection to the whole Skywalker line is not that she's Han and Leia's daughter, but just that she's, um, you know, Luke's apprentice, just, you know, a girl he picked up who was strong in the force and he started training her. Um, I mean, when when the cast was first announced, my hunch was that Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver were both going to be playing um, solo kids, you know, the, the Han and Leia's descendants. And so, I mean, this the stuff that you're bringing up where maybe they have a son and a daughter and they favor one more than the other and it pushes one away, like that could definitely be interesting. Then, of course, you're getting into maybe retreading a little bit of the same area um, as the EU with uh, Jason Solo and Darth Cadis and all that kind of stuff. But it could still be interesting to see them, you know, do their own spin on it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I guess, you know, once we started hearing all these different rumors that he was a villain and, uh, you know, the fact that we just haven't heard any rumors that he was um, Han and Leia's son, I guess I sort of gave up on that theory and was like, okay, well, I still think Daisy Ridley's going to be their daughter, but he's probably just going to be this completely different character. Um but yeah, I mean, I don't know whether he's their son and he's, uh, you know, sort of like the, the son who turned away from the family and went on his own and became evil and stuff, or whether he's just a completely different character. I mean, just this idea of, you know, a young aristocrat who um, just sort of has a fascination with the Sith and starts buying Sith artifacts and trying to hunt down Jedi and hearing voices and, you know, being commanded by some more evil presence out there. I mean, it all sounds pretty interesting and i mean the just sort of some of the other rumors we've heard that uh this movie is gonna delve more into like the origins of the jedi and the sith and uh you know some yeah. ancient mystery kind of stuff um i i definitely would think it would be cool to see uh you know that play into uh, a character like this who's buying up dark side artifacts and i mean when you were saying that um you know you don't necessarily like the idea of sith having spirits um, that sort of stick around after they're dead. I mean, that's something that's been, you know, obviously the EU isn't canon anymore, but it's something that's been around a lot in the EU with Sith yeah. not necessarily being forced ghosts, but just sort of being like disembodied spirits out there that can possess people and stuff like that and be stored in ancient artifacts or something like that. So I don't think we'll ever see, you know, a Sith come back like Obi-Wan did and be able to just stand there as a ghost and tell people stuff. But if it's just sort of this disembodied voice speaking from the beyond or you hear this voice coming out of an ancient artifact from Korriban or Moriband or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I still like calling it Korriban because that's what we've known it as for so many years. And then when we see it in Clone Wars, like it's the exact same planet. They just changed the name of it to something really similar that makes you think, why did they even change it in the first place? Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see that play into it. And there was even, I think in the new Jedi order trilogy, um, or no, I'm sorry, the Jedi Academy trilogy in the, uh, the EU novels, I mean, Luke had an apprentice who 
got possessed by the the spirit of Exar Kun, who was an ancient Sith Lord, and then, uh, you know, Luke had to contend with that and, uh, you know, sort of fight off that dark presence. So something similar to that story could be kind of cool here if Adam Driver is, um, you know, getting possessed or commanded or whatever by some sort of ancient Sith spirit, and then maybe we see some ancient Sith Lord come back eventually, um, and whether he's, you know, possessing Adam Driver or maybe he ma manages to come back into the physical realm through some dark ritual, or he could be commanded by, you know, a Sith Lord who's still out there that we just don't know about yet. Something like that. I mean, there, there are a lot of cool possibilities here. Um, yeah. and so again, like I said, this is one of those rumors that I'm like, oh, well that's interesting. And, you know, we get into talking about all these different possibilities. So it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, going back to the point of him possibly being like the son of Lei and Han, um, I was never really because those are some I've heard that before too. But I was one I was never really sold on. But then the more like you kind of think about it or I talk to you about it, it's like the next maybe step to go where as far as like uh, the family aspect of Star Wars goes, because you had uh, kind of had the relationship with Anakin and his mother. You had the father-son relationship with uh, Darth Vader and Luke. Maybe the next way to go was like a sibling relationship and a sibling rivalry type thing. Because, of course, you had Luke and Leia, but we only found that out in Return of the Jedi. There was really no, of course, no rivalry or anything going on with that. But maybe that's the next like family dynamic to that the new trilogy is going to go on, like a brother and sister type thing. And I know that does tie in a little bit to, like we said, the EU with Jason and Jaina, but... You never know. That could have been maybe something that Lucas had planned and maybe the EU kind of did their own thing with it, but maybe he always wanted the next aspect of Star Wars to be a sibling rivalry, a brother and sister type thing. So I could definitely see that being a way to, as a way that the new trilogy uh, sets itself apart from, I guess, the previous two and ha having that be the thrust of it. But again, who knows which way they're going to go. We could be totally wrong on it. But another thing was after hearing so much about Adam Driver being the villain, and then we see <laughs> those uh, possible pictures of him in an X-wing uh, costume. It kind of makes you think of one's either <laughs> one of them's definitely wrong if he's going to be an X-wing pilot, or he's going to be the villain. Or then it makes you think maybe we're going to see the evolution of him becoming a villain. But then again, that's too much. Like we already saw that with Anakin, so I don't think they're going to retread that. So again, who knows which way they're going to go? But it's just fun to speculate on it and then this when you start like focus that's why sometimes when you speculate it and you get attached to an idea so much and then maybe something official comes out or you see something that kind of makes that point not a reality anymore where you kind of have to readjust your thinking and speculation that could be kind of maybe the one downside of maybe speculating too far because the theories you get so attached to or we're expecting to see and then it doesn't pan out that way maybe might cause for disappointment so that's why sometimes I try not to speculate too much, but at the same time, it's half the fun. And then you just get to discussing all these great theories and possibilities. And and when it all comes down to it, you're just trying to make the time fly by past it to when we actually see the movie. And then you just yeah, exactly. speculate about all this stuff, which makes it fun. Yeah, but you know, when I saw that picture where they supposedly said, like, oh, this looks like Adam Driver in that X-Wing pilot outfit. I mean, three possibilities immediately jumped to mind for me. And the first was, well, no, that's not actually him because it's a, you know, a shot from far away and you can't really see who that is. So that could just not be him. Um, the second possibility being, oh, well, I guess my first reaction was right. Or, you know, my, my first prediction back when the cast was first announced that, you know, maybe he's not a villain after all. And maybe he is um, Han and Leia's son. Or, you know, my third reaction was, well, maybe he's still a villain and, you know, maybe he's like 
infiltrated the rebellion or something. Um, you know, he, he could just be in disguise as an X-Wing pilot and he could be like a, an Imperial spy or something like that. And yeah, this, it could be a character where maybe we know he's a villain, but everyone else doesn't know type thing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, going off of these rumors that we're hearing about the whole aristocrat thing, um, that seems like something that could work because then, you know, he's a villain, but he, he like the, the characters in the movie might not necessarily know that because he's not necessarily an Imperial or a Sith Lord or something like that. Um, and especially if he does end up being, uh, you know, Han and Leia's son that they don't know has gone off the deep end. Like, uh, you know, if he's in an X-Wing pilot outfit, it could just be like, oh, hey guys, I'm coming back to help you out on this mission. And meanwhile, he's secretly trying to do stuff for his own agenda. Yeah, secretly he has uh, Darth Vader's helmet in his backpack or something. <laughs> <laughs> One of his Sith artifacts that he's collected. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? I mean, again, it's, you know, a lot of fun to just speculate on all this stuff. But uh, now going back to the other article where we sort of left off halfway where, um, uh, you know, the guys that are making StarWars.net, they're elaborating on some more of this stuff with, uh, you know, their sources that they have. So now this next one, um, you know, we had to go back and talk about the Adam Driver rumor that I accidentally skipped over because now this one ties into that. Uh, so they said, and the recent Adam Driver rumor, Benedict Cumberbatch, Gwendolyn Christie, and the Count Dooku connection, and now the Driver rumors, these are all based on that central idea of an aristocratic family line involving Episode 7's bad guys, and as I said before, I firmly believe it's the line of Dooku. Uh, details and characters might have changed, but the idea of an aristocratic villain with a heritage going back to the Clone Wars has been there from pre-production, and as far as I know, it's still a major part of the story. Um, and we'd heard this rumor before that Gwendolyn Christie's character, who's supposedly an Imperial officer or like the commander of these chrome stormtroopers or something like that, that she was going to be a descendant of Count Dooku. And at the time, I didn't really think much of it. I was like, okay, well, that could be a cool nod to the prequels and the Clone Wars, I guess, if they did do that. But I don't see how it would really affect the story at all if this Imperial commander happens to have ties back to Count Dooku. But now that you bring in this rumor of Adam Driver being this aristocrat who collects Sith artifacts, now suddenly it makes a whole lot more sense um, where they say, you know, um, there's this idea of an aristocratic villain with a heritage going back to the Clone Wars, and that's been there since pre-production. I think that's a really cool idea because Dooku was definitely more of an aristocrat. I mean, he was a Jedi and a Sith Lord, but he was also the Count of Sereno and, yeah. um, you know, part of this you know, family heritage in this sort of rich aristocratic family. Um, so to see Adam Driver sort of carrying on that legacy, but see him more in the aristocratic role and less in the Sith Lord role, um, I think would be really cool. And obviously if these rumors do pan out to be true, you know, he would still be doing dark side type stuff, going out and buying Sith artifacts and all that, but he would just sort of be acting on his own and using his own influence and resources and not necessarily, uh, you know, pulling out the red lightsaber on everybody or bringing down the battle droid army on their heads. Um, so it would be, you know, similar to Dooku, but definitely a different side that we didn't really see much of from Dooku's character in uh, the prequels and in the Clone Wars. So I think, you know, suddenly now that you bring that aspect into it, I'm like, okay, now I sort of like that idea more than I did before. So that could be pretty cool. Yeah, it's definitely a cool idea and I like it. But as far as Adam Driver, kind of maybe if his character does have a lineage to Dooku, because I do like the aspect that they are going to go to have it where the villain has a heritage going back to the Clone Wars. I like the idea of them 
having some ties to the Clone Wars. I don't know if it'll be mentioned or anything, but the fact that that could be a big point of the story, I think it's cool that they're recognizing that. But I don't know what we were talking about before. I kind of like the idea more maybe Adam Driver not being a lineage of Dooku, but maybe he is the, the son of Han and Leia in that aspect. I kind of like that idea more if this took the story to go that way. But as far as him being an aristocrat, I think that's a cool way to play the character. And like you said, see it more than we did with Dooku and seeing like, him have all this like Sith collection and stuff. That'd be a cool scene too. If he has like this big like uh, estate or a museum or something that has tons of Sith artifacts. <laughs> and maybe there could be some nods to some previous uh, Sith Lords that we know of. Maybe seeing something with Darth Bane would be pretty cool. So I, I'm hoping if it, this is accurate and he does have all that stuff, we get to see it because that'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that could be, like you said, if, if he had a collection of Sith artifacts, that could be some room for some really cool Easter eggs in there too. Yeah, I mean, he could have the other half of Darth Maul's lightsaber. He could have Darth Revan's mask, you know, all this kind of cool stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, that would be really cool to see, but I mean, yeah, as far as the whole lineage thing, I, I think it would be cool no matter which way they go with it, whether he's part of this Dooku lineage or whether he's uh, descended, you know, part of the, the Skywalker family line. Either way, I think it's uh, going to make for some really cool, um, you know, storytelling and character development in there. Yeah, it would definitely be a different villain than we've seen before, which would be nice and cool. Yeah, and then, I mean, if they're still thinking that Gwendolyn Christie is tied into this, I'm like, is she going to be part of the same family lineage? Is she going to be related to Adam Driver's character? I don't know. Um, but either way, I mean, uh, I, I definitely think Adam Driver and his sort of, you know, if these rumors end up being true of him being this aristocratic uh, you know, Sith collector kind of guy. Um, that's the character I think it would be cool to see descended from Dooku. If Gwendolyn Christie is too great, but I mean, as far as the rumors we have to go on so far, I don't think that would sort of inform her character as much. But maybe it could. I mean, because again, we have no script or uh, you know, concrete character descriptions or anything like that to really go on. So. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure whatever they end up doing, it's going to be great. And, you know, obviously we're big fans of the Clone Wars and I'd love to see that sort of brought in, in subtle ways like this. So, um, you know, I'm just excited to see how this all pans out and see how much of this ends up being true and, uh, you know, sort of what part it plays in the story. Yeah. I would just be happy to hear the word, the Clone Wars spoken again in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. They're just in a new hope in, uh, episode two and three. Yeah. Um, so then a, a few other small things to finish up with here in uh, just for this article. Um, they say Moraband, the Sith homeworld, is in the movie. It's been there throughout production with various names attached to it. I had it confirmed to me by someone working in England that there are sets for the Sith world. Um, so that I think would be really cool to see. Um, and again, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, just based on some of the stuff we've heard earlier that the movie is going to involve stuff about uh, sort of the origins of the Sith and Jedi and just sort of some ancient force type stuff. Um, it definitely seems plausible that, uh, you know, Luke could go to Moraband, um, especially now that we've had it, uh, you know, established in the Clone Wars, it's, you know, official canon that this is like the Sith homeworld. And like I said, it's, it's Korriban. Um, you can call it Korriban, <laughs> you can call it Moraband. It's the same planet. Uh, so, you know, just seeing Luke go there, um, I, I would assume it would be Luke, or maybe we'll just see the, the villains hanging out there. Um, but I mean, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be really cool to see that. Well, maybe when you finally see it in an actual Star Wars movie and you hear the name more and more, you'll start calling it Moraband instead of Korriban. <laughs> you'll slowly work your way towards maybe, it. Maybe, but like I said, also, you know, in the Clone Wars episode description, they said 
It could be, uh, you know, it's had like different names over the years because it's such an ancient planet and it's had wars and all this kind of stuff. And so it's gone by different names over the years. And so I'm like, okay, cool. So now, you know, it's not me just being like stubborn and refusing to call it Moraband. It's like, <laughs> it's fine to call it Korriban too. It's all the same planet. But either way, it's going to be awesome to see this, this whole world in a movie, man. I can't wait if that ends up being true. And I kind of expect it is now. It's, again, one of those things where we're hearing more reports about it, whether it's in a flashback and kind of the origin stuff we were talking about, which I really hope to see, or we're actually going to see characters go there. I'm kind of thinking, too, that maybe we'll see it in flashbacks, but then as the trilogy progresses, we'll have like the big epic final battle sequence take place on the birth of the Sith homeworld on Moraban, and that's where everything will come to a head. I think that can make for a really cool final like climactic battle sequence for the new trilogy. Instead of having it in Episode 7, save it for Episode 9, maybe just get introduced to it in Episode 7 through a flashback or something. Because I think a really cool battle sequence to close out the trilogy on Moraban would be really cool. Yeah, how freaking cool would that be? Yeah. Man. <laughs> um, although I don't necessarily know about having it be the big final battle of the trilogy. Like I would love to see a big battle there at some point, but I just think, I mean, at least for me, I, I would picture the big final climactic battle being on, I don't know, Coruscant or some other, you know, some other planet that's like the, the home planet of the heroes kind of thing. Just sort of like Wait. the, you know, episode four ended with the death star battle as it was about to blow up the rebel base on Yavin. You know, it's like, um, you know, rather than them going and hunting the Sith there, it's like it, it could be the Sith coming after them and they have to, you know, make a final stand and defend their home planet. But again, I mean, maybe if the whole trilogy is them sort of hunting the Sith and so it's finally like, okay, we're finally going after the Sith homeworld, like that could be cool too. I just thought of this too right now. We haven't had, besides the sail barge scene in Return of the Jedi, there hasn't been a big battle on Tatooine. I mean, Tatooine is the Star Wars planet. What if the final battle takes place there? That'd be something pretty interesting. <laughs> Maybe environmental-wise, it won't be the most like interesting to look at since <laughs> it's just desert, but thematically, that could be something that's kind of cool where it all started in Tatooine and maybe like the final big battle sequence with the Skywalker story is going to take place on Tatooine. That could be pretty interesting to see play out on a, on a thematical front anyway. That's... Yeah, I think it would, I, again, I think that would be a cool location for a battle, but I don't know about like the big final climactic battle just because, again, even though we've seen Tatooine in every Star Wars movie and it does sort of have that significance to it, it's still like, as for the actual characters in the movie, if somebody wiped out Tatooine, would they really care? I mean, Luke <laughs> might be sad because he grew up there, but you know, it, it would be a lot less impactful than if someone, you know, I don't know, blew up Alderaan, for instance, which had a lot of people and political influence and all that kind of stuff. Um, people would be like, oh, they blew up the big sand planet. Oh, well. And maybe it could become become a more important planet when they realize, like, that's where the Chosen One is from. That's where Anakin Skywalker was born and grew up. So maybe it could become a more significant planet as the story plays out. Yeah, possibly. Uh, but I, I'd rather see the big final battle take place on more band though i think that'd be cool yeah i mean that would that would definitely be cool to see or let's um, go back to andor <laughs> yeah yeah that too um and then i mean we had heard rumors before that daisy ridley's character might be named kira in the movie and then uh so in this rumor they're saying um her character was referred to as kira during pre-production but also at times she was referred to as kara sarah and fawn so 
you know, again, these are just rumors. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to be hearing Fawn. <laughs> I don't think so either, but it's sort of like, okay, back to the drawing board on that one, because if yeah. anyone thought Kira was definitely the name of the character, it's like, well, it could be, but there's also other possibilities. Then John um, Boyega's name is going to be Buck. <laughs> They're going to go with the deer thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then lastly, and this is something we've heard before too, but they're saying um, that they're hearing more and more from uh, their people that an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie is in the works. Uh, for the spinoff movies, they were initially going to stay away from any Jedi or Sith characters, but I'm hearing now that because of the popularity of Obi-Wan, um, and they mentioned here that the fans recently voted for him and he won the, uh, that this is Madness, uh, Star Wars March Madness bracket contest thing on the StarWars.com website, Um you know, so they're saying because of the popularity of Obi-Wan that an art team is now working with a writer on concepts for an Obi-Wan movie, um, which is interesting that, uh, you know, that, that this is Madness Tournament. They're actually using that to sort of gauge how popular these characters are and use that information to decide, like, which characters get their own spin-off movies and appear in different projects and stuff like that. Um, and again, this is still just rumor, too, but it's also one of those rumors where... I don't think anyone would be surprised, especially because we've heard Ewan McGregor say in interviews that, uh, you know, he would love to come back and play Obi-Wan again. And he, I think he specifically said, like, I don't know how they would do that necessarily because, you know, they're making episode seven and Obi-Wan's dead. But if they could somehow, you know, come back and tell a story of like what he was doing for all those years on Tatooine, like, yeah, I'd love to come back and play that part. Um, and I think that would be perfect for an Obi-Wan spinoff movie. Like, I don't know what else they would do with an Obi-Wan spinoff movie other than set it in between episodes three and four, unless they wanted to go back to the Clone Wars and maybe make a, a feature length film about Obi-Wan and Satine or something like that, which I know yeah. some people would love, but I, th I would love to see uh, something set in between episodes three and four. Um, because, you know, again, as we've talked about before, I I'm starting to more and more get the feeling of like, you know, we always thought for, you know, for years that Obi-Wan just stayed in solitude on Tatooine for, you know, 18 or 20 years. But now I'm like, eh, I don't know if he stayed there the entire time. Like, I think there's room to tell some stories about him going off and doing other stuff. Well, first off, the idea of an Obi-Wan movie is something we've been wanting for since the, the standalone stuff first got announced a lot. At least for me, anyway, and I'm sure tons of other people, an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie is like number one on the list for stuff we'd love to see. So definitely hope it's true. But I don't know. I don't think Lucasfilm is the type to kind of base their decisions on like fan popularity or just what fans would really want to see, so to speak, because I just think they'd want to tell the stories that they think are going to be the best stories to tell and not just based on, oh, this character is popular, so let's use him. I think it's because they'd really have a great Obi-Wan story that they want to tell, and that's why they're going to do it. If they're going to go with the popularity reason, that seems to me anyway something that maybe Disney would kind of force them to do. Like, like hey, maybe you guys should be doing this as one of your standalone movies. And who knows if Disney's flexing their muscle and telling them let that be one of it. But I just kind of think, at least from Lucasfilm, like under under that studio's roof with Kathleen Kennedy in charge, I just think that wouldn't be something that they'll base their decisions on. But who knows? I, if Whatever the reason is, I hope eventually we do see one because, like you said, it'd be awesome. But I will disagree with you on one thing as far as him leaving Tatooine or I don't see that happening because I just have a hard time having him think like even for a little bit being off world and not keeping an eye on Luke. Cause that's his sole purpose is just making sure Luke stays safe. So I just kind of like to see something like the Kenobi novel was having him go on an adventure that was on Tatooine but not necessarily leaving the planet so to speak. Or if anything just going 
above the atmosphere <laughs> in space for some reason, not traveling too far away from it. Because I just, like I said, I think he'd be, no matter what, would have to stay there for Luke. But it, the idea of an Obi-Wan movie, let's hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it'll be a reality sometime down the line because it would be awesome. Yeah, and you know, as I mean, as far as Lucasfilm basing their decisions on popularity, like I agree with you, they definitely would have to have a good story for it, um, and not just um, you know be like, oh, this character is popular, we're gonna make a movie and do some stuff with it. Um, you know, obviously, I think th th there are gonna be multiple factors in that decision, and I think if you know, maybe for some reason, Obi Wan winning that contest made them think that. Uh, it may, maybe made them realize, oh, Obi-Wan's more popular than, than we realized, so maybe we should make a movie about him. Um, or maybe that was just, you know, whoever this source was that they're, you know, quoting on this article. Um, maybe that was just that person's impression. Um, you know, they, they heard that uh, there was going to be an Obi-Wan movie and that person's interpretation was, oh, well, maybe they're doing one now because he won this contest and, you know, it wasn't something they were going to do initially or whatever. Um, but either way, yeah, I, I don't think they saw him win the contest and thought, oh, well, I guess that means we have to do an Obi-Wan movie now, even though we've got no material for it. I mean, I definitely think <laughs> it's going to be story motivated as well. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have other reasons for doing it other than just because of fan popularity. But at the same time, I do think fan popularity is something that they're going to take into account because also, um, you know, a rumor that we've heard a lot and I think uh, something that most people are just sort of expecting is that one of the standalone movies is going to be about Boba Fett. And, I mean, let's be honest, Boba Fett doesn't have a huge role to play in the overall Star Wars uh, saga. I mean, he's the one that brings, um, you know, brings Han and the Falcon to, uh, to Bespin and into Vader's trap in Empire Strikes Back. But he's not, like, one of the main characters throughout the whole saga. And yet if it's true that they're making a uh, a standalone movie about him, you know it's because he's a fan-favorite character and people just like that armor and the look of him and this mysterious bounty hunter and they want to know more. And so, you know, I, I think they're aware of that and they, they sort of want to cap capitalize on the popularity, popularity of that character. So I could see them doing the same thing with Obi-Wan too. But again, it's not going to be just based on popularity. Like, obviously, they're only going to do it if they have... Um, you know, a good story behind it and, uh, you know, have their own motivations for wanting to make that movie. Exactly. But I, for right now, anyway, I don't think it's probably going to be the first two movies of the standalone that we're going to see by uh, Josh Trank or uh, Gareth Edwards. It's probably going to be maybe some like the next batch that they're going to do. Because like you said, I refer the rumors of Boba Fett and who knows, we haven't heard too much of, I mean, the rumors like Han Solo and it's possible you know, the movie and all that stuff. But Obi-Wan, I think, so far is one that's been like kind of like a, on the fans' wish list. So this ends up being true where it is something that is in the works. It might be something that will be maybe further down the line after we get the first two standalone movies by Gareth Edwards and Josh Dwing. So we'll see, though. Just hope it happens eventually. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially because, and again, this is just you know rumor and hearsay that we're going off of, but they say um, that an art team is now working with a writer on concepts for an Obi-Wan movie. And we already know, like, they've got a director for... Well, how many directors do we have now? I, I've sort of lost track, but I know yeah. we have a director for at least two standalone movies. Do yeah. we have three yet? Or is it just no, the just two? two. So? But then we got Rain Johnson for episode eight. Which right, right. So, yeah, we've got <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Johnson for episodes eight and nine, and we've got Josh Trank and Gareth Edwards for the standalone films. And so I'm sure, at least for the first standalone movie that's coming out in 2016... 
um, they've got to be past just, you know, an art team working with a writer on concepts for a movie. Like they probably have a script, um, if not finished, then at least have like the first draft of the script done for that one. Um, and, uh, you know, again, from rumors we've heard, people are saying that it's probably going to be the Boba Fett movie first. Um, and, you know, we've also heard about a young Han Solo movie or a Yoda movie or something like that. Um, but yeah, I would agree with you. I don't, I definitely don't think the Obi-Wan movie is going to be the first one that we'll see. And it probably won't be the second one that we'll see, but maybe the third one. That's another thing that's getting lost a little bit. Next year, we're all going to be so excited for Episode 7. We're going to be seeing Star Wars Rebels, but we're also going to be seeing some stuff for the first standalone movie, too, because it's coming out almost exactly a year after Episode 7. So you think probably the shooting schedule is going to be the same for that, too. So probably next summer, we're going to be seeing stuff like set images for that and probably more details and casting for that pretty soon, too. So that's just like another thing to look forward to that sometimes you kind of forget about because... We're just so wrapped up in episode seven right now, but there's another movie just one year afterwards. So, it's, man, it's so cool now just to think about that. <laughs> we haven't even seen episode seven yet. And then the next movie, we're going to start finding more stuff about. It's going to be awesome next year, man. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm not even necessarily worried about that yet at this point, because when all that stuff comes out, I mean, we'll be seeing like leaked set photos from the first standalone movie on the same day that we're seeing like the first trailer for episode yeah. seven. Well, guess which one of those I'm going to be paying more attention to. Um, it's just like a nice little bonus thing to have though, too. Oh, you're so excited about episode seven. Oh, let me go to the standalone movie stuff that's coming out. It's just so cool to have all the Star Wars stuff going around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we can uh, look at the standalone movie stuff to take a break from watching the episode seven trailer on a loop for hours on end. Yeah. <laughs> that's how you gotta look at it it'll be like all right i'll watch the trailer again and then i'll look at the next set photo um and then all right so i think the well the last somewhat credible rumor that we have um (laughs) is uh this one's from this is infamous.com um they're talking about luke skywalker's whereabouts in episode seven um and this is sort of an interesting rumor because it goes against some of the stuff we've heard before but it does sort of back up the rumor that we've heard that Luke is not going to be gone for the full 30 years, but that, you know, he was around after Return of the Jedi for 20 years or so, started building back, you know, started building a Jedi Order back up and all that. Um, and then about 10 years before Episode 7, he disappeared, but he wasn't captured, which is sort of the uh, the top rumor theory, I guess you could say at this point. Um, but they're saying that he started feeling this returning... Uh, you know, he feels a return, uh, disturbance in the force, starts feeling this dark side presence returning, and that he, you know, fearing that he might turn to the dark side himself, goes into self-imposed exile on where else but Dagobah, where, you know, Yoda was in exile himself for all those years, um, and just, you know, goes there to sort of meditate on the force and contemplate things and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that by the time the characters find him in episode seven, he's like become so powerful in the force that he can just move a mountain with the blink of his eye or something like that, <laughs> which I think is a little bit ridiculous. Um, and also they, they say in this, um, in this rumor that, um, you know, when he starts to feel the lure of the dark side and stuff, that it might be related to some of these rumors we've heard that Emperor Palpatine might be back in the movie. Um, and, you know, so again, some of this sounds kind of shaky to me, but the idea of him going into exile on Dagobah, I'm like, oh, well, there's an interesting theory that we hadn't heard before. Um, 
and you know something that would be uh you know i wouldn't mind seeing if it is true although like you said it does start to sort of get to a point where it's like okay how many original trilogy planets are they trying to cram back into this movie um but yeah i don't know whether he's in, you know in self-imposed exile on dagobah or whether he's been captured somewhere um you know it, it will be cool to uh see luke somewhere on his own just sort of meditating on the mysteries of the force and all that yeah so this stuff with the swimmer i think sounds really cool and some of the stuff is like yeah i don't know about the stuff about the like we talked about before 10 years again i'm glad that's being brought up in another source so hopefully that ends up being the true uh, amount of time that he's been gone for which is 10 years and then i like the idea of luke becoming really powerful in the 30 years since we last saw him in return of the jedi so strong with the force but the fact of where it describes here him able to move mountains and bring down star destroyers just with a glance yeah that's a little too much maybe going into force unleashed territory of <laughs> being too overpowered but i think we could definitely expect him to see to be the most uh, powerful we've ever seen him before which i think is going to be cool to see luke be that way so probably not to that extreme but definitely see him more powerful so i'm excited to see in episode seven as far as the dagobah thing goes uh, i'm kind of torn on that because it does make sense he would go there to place where he was fully trained to be a jedi to start meditating that's another thing too i like the idea of the reason he's going to be gone is for him to meditate not that he was captured or just to kind of remove himself from uh, just out in the open to try to figure out what to do. So I, I do like that aspect, but I just don't know about Dagobah because, like we said, just being too, going to another familiar planet maybe, but it does make sense at the same time. So I won't complain or say I don't want to see Dagobah at all. just don't know if it's, that'll be the final uh, place he ends up being. And then because the rumors also, too, that maybe the location where they filmed on Scully and Michael where that was where Luke was being captured and that doesn't look like Dagobah too much, so <laughs> who knows which one's going to be accurate. But yeah, I kind of split on this one. Some stuff sounds good. Some stuff sounds kind of iffy, or I don't know if I'll, we'll see that or even if I want to see it. Like, we'll think about the Emperor's resurgence again. I don't think we're going to see the bad guy be Palpatine again, but that's the rumor that's not going away pretty much. So <laughs> we'll see how, this, how much of this one pans out, but I'm all for about half of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in your same boat there. Um, and then we'll just wrap up here with two rumors from Latino Review. Um, one of them involving you know, Palpatine, like we were just talking about. And this is a rumor, I guess, you know, we must have missed this one on our last episode because this was from like August 23rd. But um, yeah, basically, they, they've got this whole long article saying that um, even though Star Wars Episode Seven, as well as the following two sequels, will feature its share of new villains, the person pulling the strings, the real puppet master, the big bad of the trilogy, is none other than Emperor Palpatine. Um, and then they say in this article something that made me laugh. It says, a lot can happen during the fall of an empire, and maybe the moments we took to see our heroes party with the Ewoks was a forced perspective on something much more sinister. We all know that Lando blew up the second Death Star in the Millennium Falcon, and we know Luke had enough time to carry his dying father back to a shuttle bay and unmask him. We also know from the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back that when you throw someone, or in Luke's case himself, down the tubes of a large space station, you might not necessarily die. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true, <laughs> but... When Luke fell down the tubes of a giant space station, you know, he got sucked out an air ventilation tunnel or whatever that was in, you know, the pits of Cloud City. When Vader threw Palpatine down a tunnel, it was a tunnel leading to a giant energy reactor and there was a big explosion. <laughs> and then the Death Star exploded. You don't come back from that. Um, 
And then, you know, he says, my source told me that the Emperor 100% will appear in Star Wars Episode 7 and 8. Uh, don't look for confirmations from this from Ian McDermott because he's not portraying the Emperor this time. Will this big bad resemble the craggy old man in Return of the Jedi? Now that is the question. And then they have this image of, it's, you know, the concept art that we saw before of this so-called Inquisitor um, looking at Darth Vader's, you know, damaged mask. And he's got a caption under it saying, could this be the Emperor? Um, I don't think so. Now, if it is the Emperor, I at least would be happy that, you know, he's not coming back looking exactly like he did before and that he's obviously completely messed up and has to have, like, a cybernetic face and all that. But at the same time, if you're going to have a villain who's Emperor Palpatine but doesn't even look anything like Emperor Palpatine, you might as well just make it a completely new villain yeah. <laughs> and not you know, make fans angry by killing off or, you know, by bringing back a villain that was supposed to be killed. And, uh, you know, again, sort of, I, I don't like the idea of them just sort of messing with this whole idea of Anakin being the chosen one. And he was supposed to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the force and all that. I mean, it's like, I can put up with the idea of more Sith coming back and, you know, creating a new threat just for the sake of having a new Star Wars story. Because you have to have interesting villains in Star Wars stories, even though I like the idea of Anakin sort of wiping out the Sith forever and playing that big pivotal role. We, we pretty much know there are going to be more Sith in this movie, or at least dark side Force users. But at least, you know, the, the big main bad guy that he killed, leave him dead. Especially when yeah. he got thrown into an energy pit in the Death Star, and he exploded, and then the Death Star exploded. Like, he doesn't need to come back. Now, if Palpatine is the disembodied voice, force spirit thing that's whispering to um, Adam Driver's character, that I could maybe be okay with, but I don't want to see the character come back, like, fully reincarnated. Also, I mean, we've heard some stuff about flashbacks and stuff like that. And if we see Emperor Palpatine in a flashback, great. I would love to see that. I mean, I love the character and would love to see more of him in capacities where it makes sense. So, you know, if, if we see any standalone movies set before Return of the Jedi that deal with Darth Vader and the Emperor, I'm all for that. But I don't want to see him come fully back as you know, the, the reborn, still alive Emperor Palpatine in episode seven. Here, here. Yes. <laughs> I totally agree with that. I mean, I think I know where, uh, the new review sources for him surviving the fall down with Death Star. I think it's the robot chicken three, where we saw what happened. <laughs> where he just lands on the Falcon. <laughs> wow. I took the wrong time to take a sip of water right there. You almost made me spit that out. <laughs> That's what we wow. have to look all along, Robot Chicken. Tim, Tim wins with the biggest diss of the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I mean, I've said this before. Other podcasts previously that Palpatine doesn't need to come back. or not. I don't really want to see him come back in a physical form like we were talking about. If it's through a flashback or a holocron, that'd be cool. Because like you said, he's a great character. And if you can get like a little more of him, that'd be cool. As long as it serves the story right and it's just not retreading old things. And I just think... To be having bring him back as the main bad guy again, just like it's lazy writing to me. I don't think J.J. Abrams or Lawrence Kasdan, is, or even George Lucas's early story drafts, what the main story of this new trilogy is going to be, is going to do that and retread old water with Palpatine. Because, like, like I said, if they're going to either bring him back, but then he's going to look totally different, doesn't have him be a new villain? It'd be better story wise. So, yeah, anything with Emperor Palpatine coming back that I'm hearing, I just I'm just not buying it. I just really don't. I mean. 
and maybe it sounds kind of uh, hypocritical where I'm saying where where things get mentioned a lot more like you kind of expect it to be true kind of the whole where there's smoke there's fire type thing but I just don't see that with Palpatine all the stuff you hear about just seems like fan made stuff where it just doesn't seem like they're actually going to do that in the actual movie and just from like a story and writing standpoint it just doesn't fit so the more I hear about it the more I still don't believe that it's going to happen and you could you do hear some conflicting things about what the big bad guy is going to be too. I mean, even in the next Latino review report we're going to talk about, it doesn't say Palpatine. It's going to be someone else, an ancient Sith. And you even hearing Darth Plagueis be mentioned. So who knows who it's going to be, but I just really firmly believe that it's not going to be Palpatine as a big bad guy again. I just don't see it happening. Yeah. And I mean, even like you, like you said, it's the whole, um, the thing where you hear a rumor a bunch of times and start to believe like there might be some truth to that, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. I know I say that all the time, but I'm with you on this one where I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, I mean, let's be honest, maybe we're just in denial here because it's something we don't (laughs) want to see happen. But at the same time, I mean, if there is some truth to this, like I said, it could be that he's in a flashback. It could be that he has some influence on the story, whether it's Imperial characters just carrying on, Palpatine's directives or whether it's you know hearing his disembodied force spirit or seeing him in a holocron or something like that and if that's the case and it works for the story then great but yeah I I don't want to see him be the main villain again and you know come fully back from the dead because like you said I think that would just be un you know unnecessary it's treading old ground that we've you know seen before and you know I want to see some some new characters and some new villains and not bring back um, you know, the same bad guys over and over again, especially because Palpatine, I mean, even though he is a pretty major player in Star Wars, and he's never really been one of the major characters that the story focuses on. I mean, if anything, and, you know, we've talked this point to death before, too, um, that, you know, they could bring Darth Vader back. Like, I don't want to see that either, because as I've said before, I don't like it when they bring dead characters back to life. But if they were going to bring any dead character back for episodes, I mean, I would think it would be Darth Vader and not the Emperor, mm-hmm. because, I mean, as, as George Lucas has always said, like, Star War, the Star Wars saga is the Skywalker story. You know, one through three was Anakin's story, and four through six was Luke's story, but it really is also the second half of Anakin's story and his... Um, you know, his redemption and uh, his turn back to the light side and his death and destroying the Sith and all that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, Palpatine doesn't feel like a character that you need to bring back who has more story left to be told. Um, And as I said, Anakin doesn't either. I I don't think they need to bring Darth Vader back for any reason because his whole story arc has definitely, you know, come... (laughs) The circle is now complete. Uh, you know, Vader's circle has come full story and we don't really need to see any more from him because he had a satisfying conclusion. But to bring Palpatine back, it's just like what you couldn't come up with any better villain to to come back with. Um, yeah. No, I mean, the only reason I could see this working if they did bring Palpatine back was if it had something to do with Darth Plagueis and his teachings about, um, you know, finding a way to keep yourself from dying. But... I mean, the, that's only ever mentioned in episode three. And in episode three, Anakin or Palpatine pretty much admits to Anakin that he doesn't know how to do that. Um, you know, he he whispers all this sort of sweet promises into his ear about, uh, you know, he can, um, you know, the, the dark side can save people from dying. And, uh, you know, you can save your wife from certain death and all that kind of stuff. 
And then once Anakin agrees and, you know, turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader, Palpatine's like, well, to cheat death is a power only one has achieved. But if we work yeah. <laughs> together, I'm sure we can discover the secret. And so it's like, oh, you didn't even know how to do that. You just said that it could possibly be done and use that to lure him to the dark side. So, I mean, sure, they've had 20 years in between three and four to figure it out, but he was busy running an empire and... uh I mean, if you read the the Plagueis novel, which, again, we have to take all that with a grain of salt now because that's no longer official canon. But, I mean, Darth Plagueis spent years, um, you know, gathering different species of plants and animals and aliens and humans from around the galaxy and keeping them captive and studying their cells and the way their midichlorians reacted and all that. I don't think Palpatine is going to have time to do all that while he's running the freaking galaxy by himself. So, um yeah, basically, long story short, leave him dead. Yeah. <laughs> That's the perfect way to end it on there. <laughs> the yeah, I, I just sort of stopped and realized, like, where am I even going with this? Where I'm going <laughs> with it is that I don't want to see Palpatine come back. As much as I love the character, he died, leave him dead. Yes. <laughs> That's going to be the campaign slogan, leave him dead. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh. Um, and then so we've got another review from Latino or another rumor from Latino review, and this has to do with the ruins on the, the Skelling Michael Island in Ireland that they were shooting at recently. Um, so yeah, again, spoiler or yeah, spoilers, they say spoiler alert, but you know, take all this with a grain of salt, it's all just rumors at this point. They're saying that uh, basically the the short of it is um they they sort of return to this rumor that the emperor is coming back and they keep stating that um but then they talk about the the uh the ruins and stuff on this island and they say that this is going to be the uh sort of the shooting set or the site of the Sith homeworld um now i don't necessarily i i, I don't think that's likely because you know, we can say, oh, it doesn't look like Korriban from the EU, and it's like, well, they've thrown that out the window now. But we also saw this planet in Clone Wars, which is considered official canon, and we know it does not look like a, a grassy island with a big ocean and some rock, you know, formations. It's like, no, it's a, um, you know, dusty, dirty, sort of reddish-brown planet with a bunch of ancient Sith temples and stuff. Um, now maybe they could just be shooting inside some of these big stone towers and stuff on this island and maybe not using the outside part of it, but yeah, I, I, I don't really find much to go on in that rumor, but uh, here, I'll just read this whole thing. They're saying, I'm hearing Skelly Michael Island is the location for the Sith homeworld. Like in the expanded universe, the Sith were founded by a Jedi who practiced moral relativism thousands of years ago. He met up with Plagueis and started going by the name Darth Ruin. He split off to unite the Sith tribes under the dark side of the Force. I don't know if all that is going to be in the movie, but it's going to get called back as we have a new Ruin in the movie. Whomever fancies himself the biggest threat uh, might be the Sith Inquisitor. Um, so, yeah, and then there's also this rumor that this whole ancient planet is somehow a weapon and that they're holding Luke captive there and using his Force energy to power the weapon. Um... And again, this all just sounds like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's certain stuff. Actually, what you just mentioned about that Laskelly and Michael Island where they shot out, that being the planet where they're holding Luke, and maybe that is a weapon. I could see that. 
but at the same time, I don't think that's going to be the Sith homeworld of Moraband because all the reasons you just said, it looks nothing like it pretty much. And Clone Wars is in canon and we know what the Sith homeworld looks like. So I'm not buying that one. But then at the same time, I don't know about the whole thing about Luke being uh, captured and held there because I'm still in part of the camp who likes to think that Luke, like I mentioned earlier, uh, is missing on his own accord where it's his choice that he's been in exile. He hasn't been captured. But the idea of the actual planet being the weapon, that could be something that maybe comes to fruition and so kind of be like not necessarily the new Death Star, but the new threat of the actual galaxy is going to be an actual planet. So who knows? Maybe that could pan out. But the whole thing as far as Darth Ruin and Darth Plagueis, I just think they're getting some characters mixed up. They <laughs> were just looking for a Sith name and he threw Plagueis in there because he just those Plagueis in there out of the blue. It just says Darth Ruin met Plagueis and they started going by, or he started by going the names Darth Ruin. And yeah, I know Plagueis isn't canon anymore, but Palpatine made it pretty clear, or at least everyone pretty assumed that he was the one who was his master and when he told the story to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith and he killed them. So either Plagueis is <laughs> really, really old or... Darth Ruin has survived so long and he meets up with Plagueis during the time of like where Palpatine was his apprentice or who knows. But this one says it takes place a while back and maybe this is going to be a flashback. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think we're going to see an ancient Sith entity who knows what shape or form it's going to be. But again, I said this on the last episode too. I like the idea of seeing origins of the Jedi or the Sith and either whether that's going to be a flashback or just a story being told, I think it's going to be really cool. And I can't wait to find that out, but yeah, I just don't know if it's going to be the Darth Ruin. I really don't think it's going to be uh, Plagueis at all. I mean, maybe Plagueis will get mentioned more and we'll get uh, more information on his uh, relationship with Palpatine as his apprentice, as, as far as making it more canon than what the novel did. So maybe he'll be mentioned, but I don't think he's going to be, in league with this Darth Ruin and where they formed the Sith. I think this is going to be a brand new character if we are going to get more information on the Sith and somehow he survived all the way up until now and just wanted to bring back the Order of the Sith. And I do think that if they are going to have a new villain, the next logical thing to go would be someone who was like the, the very first Sith Lord or the first Dark Side user. Kind of just going back to having to showing that origin I think would be a good way to go as a story point as far as what the main threat's going to be. Cause we are talking about, we don't want to see Palpatine. So what would be kind of like the next big thing? Well, it would be cool in my opinion, anyway, to have it be someone who was like there from like the very beginning of the galaxy and like the origins of the force and the dark side. So that aspect I like of someone of the main bad guy being that way, but all this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to wait and see and find out, but I'm not putting too much stock in it. Kind of like the, the Palpatine stuff. So We'll have to wait and see, of course, like all the other stuff we've been <laughs> talking about. But so kind of like the Luke thing, some stuff sounds good, some stuff not so much. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the idea of Luke being held captive to power some sort of force-powered super weapon, I think that sounds pretty cool because obviously, you know, in a in a galaxy with all these spaceships and technology and stuff, you know, super weapons make for a good sort of threat that the heroes have to face. But when you've already had the ultimate super weapon in the Death Star, which has a giant laser that can blow up a planet, like how do you make something else that is just as formidable without seeming like just another Death Star ripoff? Well, something that's, you know, deals more with the force and draws on force energy, like that's sort of a new take on it. So, I mean, if that part of it's true, 
um, you know, I'd be okay with that. But again, yeah, I definitely don't think it's the Sith homeworld. The idea that this ancient Sith Lord from thousands of years ago knew Darth Plagueis, I think, sounds ridiculous. Um, also, something that they mentioned um, earlier in this article, um, and this is just sort of some speculation, but the, the guy who wrote this article said that uh, he sort of bought into this rumor that Don Hall Gleason was playing Luke's son, just sort of based off of their appearance. Um, and this is something that I had... I think I might have mentioned this back when the cast was first announced. Like, that was sort of my reaction, too. I was like, I could see him playing mm-hmm. Luke's son. But we haven't heard any rumors about his character, as far as I know. Yep. And I remember from, like, the one article, that, or, like, the one interview or something that he did that we read, he said something about, you know, he couldn't say anything about it, or, you know, all I know is I can't, you know, my character's a surprise, so I can't say anything about it until the movie comes out or something like that. And so that sort of got me thinking like, oh, well, if his character has something to do with some sort of big surprise or secret, then it probably isn't Luke's son because you would think we would know that right off the bat unless Luke doesn't know he has a son. Um, And then, you know, again, it could be another sort of like I am your father kind of moment. But I sort of gave up on that theory a while ago. But anyways, in this article, they're sort of going back to that and saying that, you know, he was still buying into that. But then... He said, okay, all of that was speculation, but it's a fact. Don Hall Gleason is not playing Luke's son. I bought into that rumor, and now I've learned it's not true. Um, And for one thing, he says that, um, you know, Luke didn't have time to have a son because, yeah, he says, Luke has no kids. Luke's been a captive since last we saw him. Poor Luke. And again, we're hearing more and more that Luke hasn't been captive that whole time, that, you know, he was around for 20 years, started training some more Jedi, and then has disappeared for 10 years. So... I mean, that in and of itself sort of lessens the credibility of this article for me because I'm like, you're still kind of going by a rumor that we're hearing contradicted more and more these days. And again, it could just be wishful thinking on my part because I like the 10 years better than the 30 years, but that seems to be sort of the running theory these days. Yeah. (laughs) And there was actually um, another report that I think like a follow-up to this one that they posted on the, like September 5th, like the week after this one, I kind of had some more bullet points of some other rumors that they have on there. Some of them were kind of ridiculous too. Uh, again, this sounds more like fan uh, wishful thinking because they had, I believe someone was that uh, Lando's son was going to be a main character who was a stormtrooper, And there's like, uh, there's, it goes back I to the point. I wonder where they got that idea from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then, but there's another thing at the end where it kind of ties back to the previous report about the Sith homeworld. It says that uh, in Palpatine, it says that in the script, the Sith are a couple of thousand years old and founded by an ancestor of Palpatine called Ruin. The apprentice of this film also goes by that name. That's another thing where it's like, I don't think the ancient Sith was actually going to be a direct relative of Palpatine, where it's like his ancestor. I don't, I don't buy that at, at all either. I mean, we know, see, it's kind of hard to say because we know what happens in Plagueis, but we know not not all canon. But at the same time, that was a book and story that, you know, kind of had some, like, approval from Lucas and kind of had his hand in it in a little small way. So I kind of still like to think most of Plagueis is going to be canon. I know some of the stuff in the Darth Maul set of Dathomir already contradicts it regarding Darth Maul. But as far as Palpatine and Plagueis, for me anyway right now, I still like to think that a lot of that stuff is going to be intact if they ever do want to explore the origins of Palpatine and Plagueis. So the fact of Plagueis being in there and uh, the Sith being founded by an ancestor of Palpatine, I'm not buying that either. And plus, we got in the Clone Wars too with Darth Bane. We know 
the Sith destroyed themselves, and Darth Bane said that because of that, he formed the rule of two. So if they're going to call go back to the origins of the Sith, it's going to be someone before Darth Bane who's going to be different and wouldn't have any lineage to Palpatine, I wouldn't think. Or maybe this character they're talking about is going to be Darth Bane. Maybe he is going to be the big bad guy or the Sith presence here because maybe they're going to think that that Darth Bane was like a new era, a new beginning to the Sith way and the Sith code. And maybe he'll like be the first one since he started the rule of two. But I don't know about that. I think if anything, they're going to go and what I want to see, like I said, wanted to see the origins of the Sith and the Jedi. I think they're going to go way back to the very first Sith or the first dark side user. So just more stuff that <laughs> just makes you think that whenever Palpatine gets mentioned, it throws a wrench into a story when I see stuff like that. Cause yeah, I don't think you can have an ancestor who founded the Sith. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. I mean, if they want to include this ancient Sith Lord named Darth Ruin who founded the Sith, that's fine. Exactly. Um, If they want to have him either appear again in Episode 7 or just have the new villain be some Sith Lord who, you know, is a descendant of his and uh, or, you know, someone who just studied his teachings and everything and sort of wanted to resurrect the Sith and so it's like well Darth Ruin is the one who founded the Sith and now Vader's dead Palpatine's dead there's no more Sith so the Sith are re-emerging and I'm gonna be the new Darth Ruin that's fine too but why do they need to be related to Palpatine yeah Uh, like I get that there's a lot of family connections that run in Star Wars with you know the Skywalker legacy and Luke and Vader and all that kind of thing but not everybody needs to be related to everybody else I mean even with the Dooku thing like you know, if Adam Driver is going to be playing a, a young aristocrat who turns to the dark side and he's related to the same lineage as Dooku, well, that goes back, I don't know, what, like 60 years or something to the Clone Wars? Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes sense. But the fact that Palpatine would be descended from the very first Sith Lord, like, why are you going to bring that up now? Like, the guy's dead. Why does it matter? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it could work, but I don't see how that's going to add anything to Palpatine's character at all. It's, it's almost going to be like, oh, yeah, Anakin built C-3PO. Doesn't really add anything yeah, to C-3PO. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it, it would just be sort of there. and But, I mean, at least with Anakin building C-3PO, it's like, oh, cool. It's this little kid who's super smart and knows how to build droids. And, you know, he just happened to build C-3PO. And, you know, then we see Anakin and 3PO, like, all through the prequels. Um, but with Palpatine now, of course, this is assuming Palpatine doesn't come back, but it's like, you're adding, it's, you know, you're sort of trying to add tack on this last bit of character development for a character that we already know really well and who already died. And, you know, that just seems kind of pointless. Um, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it's not like something that would destroy the character for me or anything like that, but I'm just like, why is this a thing that we're talking about now? Like it's not that big of a deal and not something that they need to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see if it does end up being true, but I, I don't think it's necessary or, you know, not necessarily something I think they should do, but like I said, it wouldn't be catastrophic if they did, but it's just sort of like, eh, whatever. And the last thing from that article from that they posted on the 5th of September, it says Luke saves the day at the end, but in a bad way, he has changed. So, I mean, that's who knows what happens at the end of the movie, depending on what the threat and how big it is and what Luke has to do. But it kind of just made me think as far as uh, how episode seven is going to end, because I've been hearing some of these rumors about like a lot of the stuff dealing with the dark side and how it's trying to come back. 
and even having some discussions too. I kind of get the feeling that maybe a certain lot of people are thinking that episode two or episode seven is going to end kind of on a darker note, but and maybe kind of have a cliffhanger ending type thing. But I'm kind of the mindset just basing off the fact of how Lucas likes to have certain things uh, connect with each other, having like how he compares it to a song. You have things rhyme together. You see things repeated. Episode one and episode four, they were both generally like positive, like fun adventure movie that ended on a positive note. And sure, you had some deaths with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and we'll probably see that in episode seven. But I think at the end of the movie, when we're seeing the final shot, the characters are going to have a sense of like hope. Things are okay. Uh, we're ready for the next adventure. We know there's still some evil out there, but for right now, we got it taken care of and we're ready to take on the next step. I think kind of like going like to Empire and episode two, not so much, but of course, Revenge of the Sith ended on a dark note, but just usually say that for later on in the trilogy. It's going to be the second one. So I'm, I'm thinking episode seven is going to be a generally like like fun adventure movie kind of in line with episode one and four and just have it end on a generally positive note. Like I said before, not having the big cliffhanger and the big like dark uh, change in what the characters happen. So probably episode eight is what I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, you know, I could see it kind of ending on a darker note because I mean, I see what you're saying about one and four ending on lighter notes, but I mean, episode four definitely ends on a, a triumphant note for the heroes with Luke destroying the death star and all that. Um, episode one, maybe not quite as much though. I mean, I know it ends with the big victory celebration, but before that you've got Qui-Gon getting killed by Darth Maul and then you've got Qui-Gon's funeral and the Jedi talking about, you know, okay, we know the Sith are still out there and, you know, always two, there are a master and an apprentice, but which one was destroyed? Um, and so I, I think that one's maybe, you know, a, a little bit more of a darker note than episode four, even though, like I said, at the end you have like the big victory celebration and stuff. Um, but really, at this point, I mean, I think it's kind of too early to be speculating on how it's going to end when we don't even know for sure how it's going to start. So yeah. I'm not too worried about that. What are you that. talking about? We know how it's going to start, the floating hand. <laughs> but then they said it's going to be a floating lightsaber without the hand. And yeah, we've got not a whole lot to go on at this point. But yeah, I just found that a little interesting. I've just been thinking about that lately, too, where how the tone of it's going to be, because we're hearing a lot of dark stuff about dark side and Sith coming back but I still think it's going to have that fun adventurous spirit of for being the first in a new trilogy like episode one and four but who knows this is the new era of Star Wars new uh, director with J.J. Abrams and it's stories from Lucas but we got a new script from Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan so who knows where it's going to go but I'm still on the opinion that they're going to stick to the formula of being the first of a new trilogy that yeah, like well, that fun adventurous tone. And you know what? Even episode three, which is you know easily the darkest of the Star Wars movies, like all the way through. Um, I mean, you could argue that you know maybe some scenes at the end of Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back might be darker, but I don't think anyone would argue that episode three is the darkest movie, you know, as far as all the way throughout. But at least like in the first half of that movie, there are still some lighthearted moments. Oh I yeah, mean, that's part of Star Wars is just the fun and the the adventure and all that kind of stuff. So I definitely think that. I mean, episode seven could be the darkest Star Wars movie yet, and there's still going to be some laughs and some just sort of lighthearted, fun moments in there. Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, like you said, who knows what's going to happen with this new era of Star Wars that we're about to enter into. So we just got to buckle up and and, uh, (laughs) prepare for what's going to come our way when we're in the theaters on December 18th. Strap in and prepare for light speed. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just the last couple episode seven related things. 
Um, I mean, we're done with all the, the rumors and the set photos and everything. Um, there was a interview that Adam Driver did with the Wall Street Journal um, where he was talking about some film projects that he's working on. He had a film at, uh, I think, was it? It's one of these film festivals that just happened recently, uh, Toronto International Film Festival. They interviewed him there about um, some stuff that he's working on. And, of course, they had to bring up Star Wars um, and this is just, you know, a short excerpt from this, but they said, you're filming Star Wars now, is it a real departure for you? And he said, yeah, I've never done anything on this scale before. It's a very exciting project to be involved with. I love it. When I first met J.J. Abrams, it was all about character and story. That was the first thing out of his mouth, so that's what we've been working on. So even though it is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, it's still very human. It's not taking a backseat to effects or the spectacle of it. Um, and that's, you know, all he said there about Star Wars, but... Um, I know that's something we all like to hear, that they're uh, you know not just focusing on the big flashy special effects and the lightsaber battles and everything, but that they're really focusing on the character and the story of it. Um, and I think, you know, even though I know we like the prequels and the Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff, I think for people that are sort of original trilogy purists, they, felt, they feel like that's one of the things that... Um, you know, made the original trilogy so great and that the Clone War, or that the prequel trilogy was lacking. And so I think that's, uh, you know, it's great that they're focusing on that for these new movies and making sure that they really do a great job of establishing and developing these characters and not just sort of making this big space action spectacle out of it. So, I mean, that's definitely good to hear. Um, you know, did you have uh, any thoughts on that one? No, uh, just kind of echoing what you said. You've been hearing that a lot from whenever someone involved with Star Wars, whether it's an actor, uh, who's going to be in it, that's pretty much the first thing they say. It's a great story. It's a great script. You've heard that from everyone who like, who gets to talk about it. I mean, Mark Hamill said it. Adam Driver said it. Donald Gleason said it. So just good that that's the main focus point, that that's what everyone's walking away with when they get asked about Star Wars as a story. So again, this makes us more excited to finally see it when we do get to experience it because it sounds like it's going to be an amazing story. So I just can't wait. Yeah, definitely. And then, I mean, this is something else we've heard before, too, but just sort of reiterating it. Um, this was in an article with The Hollywood Reporter, and this is with uh, Disney CFO uh, Jay Rizzullo. Um, and he mentions, uh, you know, just sort of their, their overall plan that they're doing with their franchises. Um, and he said, we are doing what we do for our Disney franchises with Star Wars, and it is mirroring Marvel, but we already know the path, so it's going to go faster, smoother with the same goals. So, again, we've heard before that, uh, you know, they're sort of taking the same approach with the Star Wars franchise that they are with the Marvel franchise. Um, and, of course, we already know they're churning out one movie a year and they're sort of alternating between the big event movies and the smaller character-focused ones. Um, but it is kind of cool to hear that, um, you know, not just that they're following in Marvel's footsteps, but now that Marvel has sort of already made those footsteps, so to speak, like it's easier for them to sort of follow along the same path with Star Wars and... Um, try to replicate that success. Yeah, like I said, nothing not too surprising. That's not what we've all kind of assumed once we heard about the standalone movies and come, a Star Wars movie coming out every year. We, we, you know, we said it on this podcast, just look to Marvel. They're doing a great job with it. So it's, you would assume that the high-ups at Disney would think that too, but it's still good to kind of officially hear him say that. Yeah, but yeah, that's our plan. We're going to base it kind of how we're doing with Marvel, which yeah. has worked so well. So <laughs> it just makes sense. So good yeah, to know nonetheless. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much wrapping up the, the movie portion of the episode, which is already at two hours and we've still got more to go. 
Um, yeah, we haven't even touched Rebels yet. We haven't even uh, got to my uh, symptoms of my fever that I'm having. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we better get to it before Tim burns up over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a couple of uh, miscellaneous related things. Um, as far as comics go, Marvel has announced uh, that they're going to be coming out this big epic collection of, and I guess this is you know sort of like a line of Marvel comics that they do collecting you know big uh, volumes of comics in certain series. They're doing one for Star Wars called The Empire Volume 1, um, and it's going to be collecting a whole bunch of Star Wars comics from the end of the Clone Wars all the way up through, uh, you know, the Dark Times. It's got Star Wars Republic, Star Wars Purge, uh, Star Wars Darth Vader and the Lost Command, uh, and Star Wars Dark Times. So, you know, just this big collection of comics that take place in between episodes three and four and focusing on, you know, Darth Vader and the Rise of the Empire and all that. But it is kind of cool that they're, um, you know, not just sort of tossing out all this old stuff, but that, um, you know, they're still sort of, they're, obviously it's got this, uh, the Star Wars Legends banner on it, but they're still sort of reusing some of the old material and putting out new collections and volumes and stuff of it for people to enjoy and not just sort of trying to phase that out and uh, just focus on the new stuff that they're doing. Yeah, now we know that Marvel's going to be doing reprints of the Dark Horse comics. That was kind of a question, like, what's going to happen to the Dark Horse stuff? It's going to be on store shelves so they all get bought out and we won't see them again. But now we know Marvel's going to be making these collections for them. And I kind of like how they're doing it, where instead of just kind of putting out, like, just re-releasing the issues of how the titles were released, like just putting out all the Republic comics or all the uh, Empire comics, they're just doing it by error. And I think that's pretty cool. So you it's kind of a different way to experience these stories. So for this particular one called The Empire, which is volume one in this uh, set, it's just focusing on the beginning of The Empire. And like you said, you mentioned the different titles. Some of them are some good stories, and they're like The Purge, number one. Uh, love that story. I always wanted that to see at the Clone Wars episode, kind of like the final one to see Anakin and Darth Vader. But we know that's not going to happen now. But I'm still hoping someday that story is going to be told in live action or an animated form because it's just so good. But to anyone who's missed any of those issues, I guess this is a good way to kind of, for your first time reading it or having a new collection, just have it set in, as by era instead of by like comic book title, I think it's pretty cool. So it should be pretty uh, interesting to see how much of the sells, if there's going to be generate a lot of new readers or for the people kind of like me who already has this, I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it, but I don't know. It's definitely good to know that it's out there. So we'll see how uh, much more of these uh, collections they're going to do in the future. There's no release date on it yet. So probably, I wonder if it's going to come out this year or beginning of next year. But we'll see as far as after The Empire Volume 1, how many more volumes we'll see. Yeah. Now, okay, now we get to cure your fever, Tim, and yes. uh, talk about <laughs> Star Wars Rebels. Um, I mean, over the past couple of weeks, we got the the final, um, the final one of the little three-minute shorts that they've been releasing um called i'm not even sure what the title of this short is supposed to be because in the short itself when the title comes up it says not what you think but yeah. then on the little thumbnail that they've got on uh you know the star wars youtube page it says property of ezra bridger um which i kind of like that title better Same but here. um yeah it's you know got ezra kind of raiding a, a tie fighter that's crashed um we've also got some new promo videos and uh tv spots so, I mean, you can tell they're definitely hitting the throttle on the uh, just sort of the promotional hype machine for this show. I haven't, you know, I don't watch Disney XD normally, so I don't know if they're showing a lot of previews for it actually on the channel, but I'm sure they are. Um, but it seems like every time I go on YouTube and see, uh, you know, new videos from channels I'm subscribed to, it seems like almost every day there's a new Star Wars Rebels TV spot. 
Um, we've also got some new information on some of the upcoming episodes. Um, we've got episode titles for the first four episodes, I believe. So, I mean, we've got the, the movie, which is called Spark of the Rebellion. And then the first episode of the series is going to be called Droids in Distress. And then we've got Fight or Flight and then Rise of the Old Masters. Um, and not only do we have the titles, but we also have the, uh, it's got the directors and writers for each episode listed. So, um, the Spark of the Rebellion is written by Stuart Lee and Stephen Lee and written by Simon Kinberg. Um, Droids in Distress, directed by Stuart Lee, written by Greg Wiseman. Uh, Fight or Flight, directed by Stephen Lee and written by Greg Wiseman. And, uh, Rise of the Old Masters, directed by Stuart Lee and written by, he uh, Henry Gilroy. And one of the things that was interesting for me to see on this, um, I mean, I know Dave Filoni has said that he's got a lot of his old Clone Wars crew, uh, working on Star Wars Rebels, but as soon as I saw the name Stuart Lee, like, that one jumped out at me because I know he's directed some of my favorite Clone Wars episodes, so I was like, oh, that'll be cool to see. Um, you know, just knowing that, again, they've got some of the same crew that made Clone Wars so great working on Rebels, it's like, if anyone is still in doubt, like, this is just one more reason why you should, uh, you know, have some faith that Rebels can be a good show. Yeah, totally. I mean, going back to, like you said, the uh, first of all, the clips that we've seen, I mean, if it's supposed to do your job and get you more excited for Star Wars Rebels when it starts, it's doing its job <laughs> definitely on me because all this stuff looks so so awesome. I mean, granted, yeah, I have seen the premiere, but it's still, I'm nonetheless excited to see it when it premieres on TV because it, the clips that we're seeing just shows you, or just reminded me anyway when I saw what made, it, made me enjoy it so much. I just can't wait to see it again. And then the shorts, too, have been really good. I liked all four of them. And the Ezra one was good. The Zeb one was real funny. But I think my favorite was probably the Sabine one, Art Attack. I just love her interaction with the Stormtroopers and what she was doing, like that TIE fighter hangar. I thought that was really cool. But all of them are really good. I just find it interesting, though, that those shorts are actually kind of counting as episode titles because in that list we were talking about, about the episode names and the writers and all that, um, Episode one, or, or I'll refer to the shorts. You got episode one A, one B, one C, and one D. Then episodes two to three are part of the movie Spark of the Rebellion. So I just thought found it kind of interesting that they were using those shorts as actual episode numbers. So, but out of these episode titles, there's one that just caught my eye right away, and I just can't wait to see <laughs> episode 106, Rise of the Old Masters. I mean, just the title alone just makes your mind wander. Whoa, what's it going to be about? It's going to be about old Jedi Masters. Is that going to be the one that where they go looking for uh, Luminara since we know she's been captured? Or is it going to have to deal with um, the, the Sith maybe, with uh, the Inquisitor, maybe about his training and his Masters, like who, who trained him and all that. So, uh, yeah, I just can't wait to see what this episode is going to be about. And plus the fact that it's written by Henry Gilroy, who's was work on the Clone Wars of the first few seasons. I think it was just the first and second this is all he worked on, but he wrote some great episodes. And I know he actually uh, returned and wrote the Slaver arc for season four because I think he did the original comic. But he's a great Clone Wars mm -hmm. writer. I'm glad to see he's returning to Rebels also. So just so much to get excited about just with these clips and then with these episode descriptions. Uh, can't wait. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think Henry Gilroy actually did the first. I th yeah, I think you're right. He did the first two seasons of Clone Wars. And then if I'm not mistaken, I think he left to be either like a writer or executive producer on the series Transformers Prime. Um, because I watched that whole series and I, yeah, I, think uh, you're right. I remember seeing his name in the credits on that show. And that was a great series too. Um, I mean, that was one of those animated series. I was telling somebody recently that like Transformers Prime and Green Lantern, the animated series for me are like 
two animated series recently that made me a lot more interested in the source material than their movies did. Because, um, <laughs> of course, you know, you've got the, the Michael Bay Transformers movies and the recent Green Lantern movie. I thought the animated series were way better in both cases. Yeah, um, so, yeah, I mean, Henry Gill is another great name on that list, too. Yeah, There's, I just can't wait to see what that one's about. I wish that one had an episode description because <laughs> I just really, really want to find out what that title refers to about uh, the old masters. Yeah, and, that that definitely does sound like an interesting title. I'm going to guess that might be the, the Luminara episode. Yeah, it does make sense that it could be. Now, I know, too, that we're having some more Rebel screenings of the premiere in different cities. And with that, there is actually showing one of the other episodes to follow. It was the first one with the Inquisitor. And I'm not sure if it was the fourth one or the sixth one, because I know, I believe it was making Star Wars who had a review. They got to go to one of the screenings of it, and they said it was awesome. <laughs> they didn't give any spoilers away, but it's not the Inquisitor. The Inquisitor was really cool, but that it was either the sixth episode produced and the fourth one to air, or it's the fourth episode produced and the sixth one to air. I'm not sure which one it was. I'm drawing a blank on it right now, but it's one of those where it's either the fourth produced or the sixth produced. So, but either way, we should be seeing it pretty early on. And then I just go back to one of Pablo Hidalgo's earlier quotes in one of the first Star Wars Rebels panels. I think it was the New York Comic-Con panel where he said, by the fourth episode, you'll notice a little shift in the tone of the series where it's going to get a little darker and that seems like it can be one where if the Inquisitor does make an appearance, that could be the one where it takes a darker turn. So, yeah, I just can't wait. Yeah, and no, I, I definitely agree. That sounds awesome. Um, unfortunately, like you said, we don't have a description for that episode, but we do have two descriptions for the first two episodes, Droids in Distress and Fight or Flight. Um, and for Droids in Distress, it says, with the Rebels running out of money, they decide to take on another job for Visago, um, who I think is that Deveronian uh, yeah. crime boss guy that we've seen. Um, they fly to Garrel to steal a few f crates full of illegal weapons and deliver them to him, but then Zeb finds out that these weapons are actually T7 ion disruptors, the same kind that the Empire used to displace and almost extinguish his people. Dismayed, he tries to dissuade Kanan from completing the job. Um, and then episode 105, or, you know, it's the, the second episode that's going to air called Fight or Flight. Um, and it says, Ezra and Zeb are arguing constantly. In order to get them to make up, Hera takes them to... Kothal, and I'm not sure if that's a typo or if there's Lothal and then there's another planet called Kothal, um, to buy a fruit called Melurun. Um, <laughs> after a few setbacks, they finally manage to locate a crate of Meluruns, only to find that the Emperor, that the Empire has just purchased, purchased it. Ezra immediately tries to steal a few Meluruns, but, th but this then leads to a fight against the Stormtroopers. Um, and my first reaction to this one was, Oh, great. Another fruit shopping episode like we had in Evil Plans in the Clone Wars when R2-D2 and C-3PO go to the market to buy Jogan fruit for Senator What's-His-Face's birthday cake or something. Um, but, yeah, at least this one has Zeb, who is already my favorite character in Rebels so far. Although... After reading a certain novel that came out recently that we're going to talk about at the end of the episode, he, he might have some contention with Kanan. But, um, I mean, I would probably have to say Zeb's short of, you know, is definitely my favorite of the four. Um, and, you know, I'm really liking his character so far. But yeah. at least we'll get to see him beat up some stormtroopers in this episode. And yeah. we probably won't see Chopper take a day at the spa. So <laughs> that already makes it better than Evil Plans in my book. But still, just seeing that the plot revolved around, the, around them trying to buy a, a crate of fruit, I was like, oh, here we go again. 
<laughs> yeah, it seems like these first two episodes are going to focus on Zeb, or at least he's going to be a central character in him. Because I like the description of the first uh, or the fourth one, Droids in Distress, where it said they find out these weapons were used to almost uh, annihilate his people. So it should be cool to kind of get more background on his story. At least I'm kind of expecting that too anyway. But also the title, Droids in the Distress, I just can't help but think that this is going to be the one where we see C-3PO and R2. <laughs> because just today a new TV spot came out that heavily focused on C-3PO and R2 uh, interacting with them. So yeah, th- just the title, Droids in Distress, makes me think that, which again, it's probably not a little too obvious <laughs> or obvious to think that. But um, again, <laughs> I didn't have the same reaction when you got the fighter flight description about the fruit i was just kind of kind of curious oh that's kind of an interesting way to start an episode so early on in the series run where they're just going to look for fruit but then stumble upon some stormtroopers so i'm kind of hoping there's a little more meat to the overall plot (laughs) in this episode than just that because it just seems so basic and generic which i have confidence that it probably will be more than what's described here because most episodes tend to be that way so yeah definitely again more stuff to make me excited for it and we're just almost there (laughs) yeah well and you know what i think there has to be more to these episodes than just what's in the descriptions just based on the fact that the descriptions and the titles don't seem to match um Mm. i mean i don't know if you feel that same way but like episode one 104 or you know it's i think that's the first episode that's going to be airing that one's called droids in distress but then the plot at least the brief summary that they have here doesn't sound like it has anything to do with droids um, and then same thing with fight or flight, um, you know, makes it sound like they have, oh, actually, you know what? I bet you fight or flight is going to be that episode where we, that, uh, where we've seen the clip with, uh, Ezra running from the stormtroopers and then Zeb comes to save him in the TIE fighter. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> that's where they got the title of that one from. And that suddenly makes a whole lot more sense now. Um, but yeah, with the first episode droids in distress, it's like that doesn't say anything about droids. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, maybe it'll have something to do with R2-D2 and 3PO, because um, yeah, like you said, we we got that TV spot earlier today, and we know that they're definitely going to be in the show. Yeah, we got these two descriptions, now let's get the one for the old masters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, and then we've also got a, a, just a brief excerpt from Simon Kinberg in an Entertainment Weekly article talking about um, connecting Episode 7 with Rebels. Um, and this is something, you know, we've heard about before that there would be, you know, possibly some more integration between all these different Star Wars projects now that it's all canon and it's all part of one big connected universe. Um, but he says it's a very integrated process and there's real communication between all the filmmakers because we're all part of this larger timeline. There's absolutely communication and integration between the different stories. We are very aware of what they're doing in seven and we also have to click into place with episode four. There are characters, vehicles, imagery that are introduced in the show before we've ever seen them in the movies, possibly including Seven. So, yeah, I mean, that's you know an, an interesting thing to note that um, we don't know exactly what those specifics are yet, obviously, but anything that we see in Star Wars Rebels could play a part, you know, larger down the line, not just in the future of the series, but potentially in either Episode Seven or some of the spinoff movies or things like that. Yeah, who knows what it's going to be. It could be like a ship or it can be something as big as a character or something small. I mean, maybe we'll see that uh, Black X-Wing <laughs> make this way <laughs> Rebels or something. Yeah, or those chrome stormtroopers. Maybe we'll get the beginnings of that technology or something. In there. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, we, the, the biggest one that we've heard so far is the Inquisitor. Yeah. Um, and that either the Inquisitor will be a character in Episode 7 or just sort of 
the fact that he establishes that there are these sort of line of inquisitors that are, you know, dark side force users who sort of serve Darth Vader and the Emperor that um, just sort of that group will still be around in episode seven. Um, you know, that's the, the biggest rumor that we've heard so far, but it could be something else. You never know. We might see Kanan or Ezra or Zeb or Sabine or anybody else show up later in a, um, you know, in a future movie. So um, definitely cool to see how all that's going to play out. Yeah, I'm just glad to kind of hear it from an official source, too, because we've heard how all everything now is connected. I mean, we were us fans knew that already, how Rebels is canon and the books and the comics, everything's going to be canon now. But to kind of hear someone actually involved with the production of both the series and the movies is finally saying that, where, yeah, we know stuff about Episode Seven, and we may see some things that could tie into it. So I just thought it was cool to hear it from an official source of someone who's greatly involved, like Simon Kimber, was kind of cool to hear. Yeah. Um, and now, um, I mean, that's pretty much all the details we've got on Rebels before it airs, but um, we've got New York Comic-Con coming up next month in October. Um, they will have a Star Wars Rebels panel there again. Um, and I think, what was it, last year that they had the, the panel there that f sort of gave us the first look at like some of the new Imperial vehicles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was all set um, on the Empire. That's where we got the Inquisitor announcement. Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, and, you know, I remember seeing just like the first look at the TIE fighters and some of the new walkers and troop transports and all that kind of stuff. But now, I mean, the, the panel at New York Comic Con this year is going to be on October 11th, which is after the premiere of, um, you know, Spark of the Rebellion, sort of the, the series premiere hour-long special. But it's going to be uh, just before the sort of main series premiere on Disney XD. Um, and, you know, before we get into this, I mean, Tim, have you noticed... I mean, does it seem to you like they're maybe playing... Like, I've seen a lot of advertising for the series and stuff, but it doesn't seem to mention the that sort of first premiere special as much. Um, yeah, a lot of the TV spots are saying the series premieres, uh, like, uh, what's the date? October 13th, is it? Like 13th, the, yeah, 14th, Monday. something like that, yeah. Yeah, they keep saying that, not the actual premiere movie. Yeah, I kind of have noticed that. Yeah, I was like, that's going to confuse a lot of people, like... I mean, obviously, we as fans know all these details and stuff, but for kids who are watching Disney XD and see that preview pop up, like, they're not going to know to watch the hour-long special on Disney Channel a week before, and they're going to be missing out on stuff. Exactly, yeah. Maybe they want to uh, have them buy the DVD. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what? That is devious and probably <laughs> true. Disney and your money machine. <laughs> Yeah, they're not can't be too greedy because they're not putting on Blu-ray. <laughs> well, yeah. Go to um, what I want. But yeah, so anyway, the description for the Star Wars Rebels panel at uh, New York Comic Con it says the rebellion has begun with the premiere of Star Wars Rebels on Disney Channel last week and new episodes about to launch on Disney XD. A previously unexplored era in the Star Wars universe has finally been opened to reveal the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance against the Empire. While you've met the crew of the Ghost, there are hints that hero Ezra Bridger will soon be entering a, the larger world of the Force. Additionally, the crew, and Jedi Kanan in particular, has drawn the attention of the Inquisitor, who's been charged by the Empire to hunt down any Jedi Knights who escaped Order 66. Explore, explore these topics and get a behind-the-scenes peek at the voice recording sessions of Star Wars Rebels when you join series star Vanessa Marshall, Hera, and Lucasfilm's Pablo Hidalgo for an exclusive preview of what's to come in the first season of the series from Lucasfilm Animation. So it doesn't seem like this will necessarily be as big of a panel as we've seen from, like, you know, the New York Comic Con last year and San Diego Comic Con this year, where we got a whole lot of, you know, new 
uh, clips and trailers and uh, concept art and stuff like that because the series will have already premiered. But I, I would expect that we'll probably get maybe a new trailer or some clips of upcoming episodes. Um, and, you know, they'll just be talking more about the process of making the show and stuff and talking talking a little bit more about what's to come now that, I mean, by that point, everyone will have seen the uh, the premiere, the sort of one-hour premiere special on Disney Channel, or at least those of us who know about it will. And maybe everyone else <laughs> will have gone out and bought the DVD because they didn't know it was coming on TV. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'm just hoping for, hopefully we get another cool new trailer <laughs> to showcase the rest of the season. Because yeah, they, even they said in the press or the official details description of the panel that uh, they're going to get an exclusive preview of what's to come in the first season so maybe they're going to be telling us we'll see some concept art but i'm kind of guessing they'll maybe show some new clips or a new trailer but they've always been good about once the premieres at a con it goes right up on starwars.com pretty much just a few minutes afterwards so we have something to look forward to on october 11th that's for sure yeah definitely now i mean you know no disrespect to vanessa marshall or pablo hidalgo because you know those guys definitely know their stuff and i'm sure they'll put on a great panel but i mean for me as soon as i saw that dave filoni wasn't going to be there i'm like oh well this isn't that big of a deal because i mean you know when dave's there he's there to answer questions and bring new stuff and show off a lot of cool stuff but i mean i'm sure it'll still be a great panel especially for those who are actually there and get to to attend but i mean i'm sure like you said we'll definitely be paying attention and seeing if there's any new uh clips or trailers or anything coming out of there yeah plus i think it was for the last new years new york comic-con it was just pablo hidalgo there and then we got that cool inquisitor trailer with an introduction from dave filoni so maybe we'll get something like that again which would be pretty cool Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot he wasn't there last year. So, okay, I stand corrected. But, um, yeah, maybe he just didn't want to go all the way out to New York from, you know, working on the show back in uh, San Francisco. So. Yeah, he can't go um, to every con, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But now um, we've talked about all these new Rebels clips and stuff, and we'll end by talking about um, sort of our first, well, for me at least, my first Rebels story, because Tim's already seen the premiere of the show, but... Um, we both got the new novel, A New Dawn, that came out recently. Um, if you haven't picked it up yet, it's out now. It came out, what, September 2nd or something like that. Um, and tells the story of Kanan and Hera meeting for the first time and uh, sort of giving us some more backstory on these characters before we get to see them in the show. So, uh, I don't know, Tim, what would you uh, what'd you think of the book? Yeah, so overall, I kind of had some high expectations going into it because there's a lot of hype surrounding it being the very first novel to be in this new era of Star Wars where everything's going to be canon now. So kind of ex- had some high expectations going into it. And plus, it's going to be the kind of introduction to Kanan and Hera who we're going to see in Rebels. So overall, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. I mean, its strength definitely was Kanan and Hera. I mean, uh, they both were had a great introduction here. Even reading this they ready right off the bat they had a good chemistry great dialogue together and then it did its job as far as making me can't wait to see more of them in future stories in star wars rebels because kind of when you're reading other star wars novels there could be some new characters and you kind of know this is probably all you're going to see of them more than likely maybe in a sequel novel but for the most part this is probably it you're only going to see them in this one novel but what's cool about this is you know you're going to get more of them and since we haven't seen too much of them, and for a lot of people who haven't seen the premiere yet, this is their first introduction. And so it's just a cool feeling knowing that, yeah, these characters are really cool. They have a great introduction. They got great chemistry together. And yet we're going to see more of them later on in the TV series. So it definitely did its job in that regard. And then also, too, another thing that stood out for me while I was reading it, this, which was a cool feeling, knowing that 
this book is canon. <laughs> Everything I'm reading in here takes place in the Star Wars universe that we're going to be seeing, that we have seen before, and that it's just, it's just a great feeling that you really didn't get too much from reading other novels. Because like I said before, sometimes it's good to make your own canon where you take the things that you really love and that haven't been contradicted yet. You can put that in your story. But um, in the back of your mind, you know that there could be somewhere down the road that'll make that story kind of not fit with the main Star Wars canon with the movies and Clone Wars. But with this, there's no issues with that anymore. So it was just a great feeling. I was always reading that. I was reading, reading the novel that coming to mind. And just the possibility, too, of we can be seeing others like supporting characters in this story show up in Rebels later on. So just the, knowing that, too, and that it's canon and that we can be seeing the possibility of other characters and referencing to this particular story in this future episode of Rebels, all really cool stuff. So that kind of added to my enjoyment also. But I will say it wasn't the greatest Star Wars novel I ever read. And to be honest, I was kind of expecting as far as on a story front, something maybe a little more bigger with, I guess, more ramifications to the overall Star Wars saga, just in the fact that it is the very first book in this new era of Star Wars, in the new canon that all these future Star Wars projects are going to be in now. Maybe that's my fault for expecting that, since <laughs> I just thought it would be a good way to kick off something in this new era of Star Wars novels. Kind of some of the way like Plagueis did. Like I think that would be the perfect <laughs> first novel to be in the canon with some of the big revelations we had in that book. So overall, the story, it was good, not great. I kind of didn't get into some of the main things that were going on as far as the Empire and what their main purpose uh, as far as uh, being in this story was anyway. I don't know if you want to get into full-on spoilers, but the main majority was that there, it's kind of like on a mining planet is what... Kanan was on, and the Empire's going there to get the resources that they were mining. And the villain, too, Count Vidian, he didn't grab me as a great uh, Star Wars villain in this one. I don't know. Plus his description, too. I know I was talking to a few other people about this, is how we didn't really get a good idea of what <laughs> his actual character looked like. We knew he was a cyborg. He had, like, robotic legs and arms. But as far as his, like, face, like, how much of it was actually cybernetic? And I know I think it said something like skin graft-type material on there, which made his face kind of human. But I don't know. couldn't really get a good picture of him in my head as far as what Count Vidian was. But he was kind of forgetful, in my opinion, as far as being the villain and I don't know, I'll go ahead and let you comment on that stuff and if you want to get into more spoilers later on. But that was my general impression of the book. It was really good. I wouldn't say it was great, but it did its job in introducing Kanan and Hera, who I can't wait to see more of in Rebels. So it was a success on that front. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll stay away from specific spoilers. But, um, I mean, for the most part, I agree with you. I thought it was really good. Um, I guess I maybe went into it with a little bit lower expectations than you did. Um, and maybe that's because, I mean, I read a review of it before I read the book and, you know, it didn't spoil anything because obviously you know, I didn't want to read spoilers or anything. But um, they kind of said something similar to what you said where, um, you know, they, they enjoyed it and thought it was really good. But the story was, um, you know, fairly simple um, and, you know, not that big of a scale. And so knowing that I sort of went into it with uh, my expectations just tempered sort of a little bit and wasn't expecting anything earth shattering you know i wasn't expecting kanan in this in just this novel to you know change the shape of the galaxy or anything like that and so i mean maybe because of that i think i enjoyed it a little bit more than you did um just because you know like i said i, I wasn't expecting too much from it but definitely I, I agree with you that the characters were absolutely the strongest point 
Um, just Kanan's characterization in general, I mean, he sort of grabs you right off the bat as sort yeah. of a likable hero. Um, a, a likable, reluctant hero. You know, he's almost almost unlikable at times, or, you know, at least seems like he would have otherwise been, you know, sort of this unlikable character. But even when he's talking about, you know, getting in drunken bar fights and stuff like that, like, you know, he has uh, more noble qualities underneath that, you know, make him a likable character. And then when he meets Hera, like you said, right off the bat, they have great chemistry. And I mean, every scene with the two of them together, you know, just grabbed me. And I just kept reading to, to find out what would happen next and see what, you know, where those two were going, um, in their relationship and in their struggle against the empire and where they were going to end up and how this was all going to lead into the series. So yeah, definitely great characterizations, great character development and character relationships and all that kind of stuff. I mean, there was one minor supporting character that I didn't really like, but you know, Kanan punched him in the face. So yeah. <laughs> I was happy about that. Um, I mean, Count Vidian, I I maybe, again, liked him a little bit more than you did. I mean, it was kind of hard to get a, a really clear picture of how he looked. But, I mean, for me, at least, that's kind of the same thing with any book. I mean, especially with Star Wars, which is such a visual uh, story, you know, with the movies and the Clone Wars and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, they can give you a, a good description of what a character looks like but you can't fully describe darth vader like you just have to see darth vader like if, like you know if someone had never seen a star wars movie and was just reading a book and you know read a description of darth vader i don't think they would picture that exact black helmet and you know the the armor and the lightsaber and all that kind of stuff it's like you just have to see all that come together and um but i mean as far as you know you said like how much of his face was covered and everything i just sort of pictured almost like a robot head with skin over it or something like that. But I mean, he definitely was uh, sort of an intriguing villain and a new take on a cyborg for star Wars because, you know, we've had, he was definitely like stood on his own from Darth Vader and general Grievous and other kind of cyborgs that we've seen. Um, and I thought it was particularly sort of eerie that, um, you know, he has this mechanical voice that comes from his neck and like he talks without ever moving his mouth, even though he still has uh, you know physical human mouth or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I, I still would sort of agree with what you said that it was good, but not great just because, you know, I've read other Star Wars books that I probably was more wowed by the story and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think going into this one with sort of tempered expectations for just wanting to get introduced to Kanan and Hera and get a sort of idea for what the series of Star Wars Rebels was going to be like, and to just sort of get this first canon story that's set in between episodes three and four and deals with these characters fighting against the Empire. I thought for just sort of this sort of smaller scale struggle, um, you know, that it's, uh, I mean, Hera's whole purpose in the book is she's trying to sort of probe out, like, if people are ready to rebel against the empire, it's not even the yeah. beginning of a rebellion yet. So it's, you know, it's definitely sort of a small scale struggle against the empire just on one planet, but I thought it was good for what it was. Um, yeah. I guess my, probably my main gripe with it, if I had one, and it's not even really a, a gripe, but something I thought it could have done better is there were some things in the book that were obviously supposed to be, surprises and i saw yeah. them coming from a mile away same here um, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't necessarily like kill the enjoyment of it for me it wasn't because it wasn't stuff that was like built up as this huge surprise it, you know nothing on the level of like darth vader telling luke that he's his father and you sit there and go like oh yeah i knew that so you're referring to the count the vidian point? thing right i'm referring to count vidian i'm also referring to something regarding kanan 
Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> and maybe a couple other things that I'm not remembering at the moment, but um, yeah, it was just like, you know, we, we got to that part in the book where they revealed that and I was like, yep, just like I thought. Um, but yeah, I, I still enjoyed it though. And it wasn't like, oh, this is boring. I saw all this stuff coming, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it, you know, not really any big shocking twists or turns, but again, I thought it was, it was fun. It was enjoyable, great characters. Um, and overall, a, a solid read. I also liked the writing style. Um, this is written by John Jackson Miller, who's written a lot of Star Wars comics. He wrote Star Wars Kenobi, which I still need to read, even though it's not canon anymore. I'm going to yeah, get around to reading it. <laughs> and I know, yeah, Tim keeps getting on my case about it. Get Kenobi, read it. Um, so I'm going to at some point. But um, I, I definitely like his writing style. It moves along at a pretty quick pace. And it's, I mean, not simple to the point where this is like a kid's book or something, but it's definitely sort of a, a simple, um, you know, easy to read sort of writing style where, I mean, the, the last Star Wars book I read before this one was Darth Plagueis, which was a lot more dense and, uh, you know, took me a while to get through. Um, you know, not that I usually have trouble reading or anything like that, but I do sort of read kind of slowly. And so when you're reading Plagueis, like it's a lot of information to take in and, you know, it took me a while to get through that one. But with this one, I could sort of just like breeze through these pages and I finished it in less than a week, which for me is pretty quick for a novel that's like almost 400 pages. But it was also because I was just sort of grabbed by the story and the characters and just wanted to keep finding out what was going to happen next. So I very much enjoyed it, um, especially for anyone who is uh, looking forward to Star Wars Rebels and uh, planning on watching that show. I would definitely recommend reading this book. Um, and getting yourself acquainted with the main characters before you start watching the show. I also, you know, I, I like the way it connects here because it takes place like five years before Rebels. So if you watch Star Wars Rebels and you haven't read this book, you're not going to be completely lost because it's not like you don't know what happened right before the season premiere that you need to know all about. Um, and I'm sure the series is going to stand on its own just fine and you'll be able to enjoy it. But I think if you read this book, I think it'll definitely, uh, you know, add more to your enjoyment of just the story and the characters, you know, just having this backstory and knowing how they came together. And also, I mean, just reading the book made me more excited for Rebels. Um, yep. And like I said, definitely got me more excited for to see Hera and Kanan's characters than I was before. Because before I was just like, I wanted to see Zeb. I wanted to see Sabine wearing Mandalorian armor, blow stuff up. Um, but as far as Kanan and Hera, I was like, okay, yeah, it's the main Jedi dude. It's the pilot of the ship. I'm sure they're going to be cool. But they just sort of seemed like... Um, I don't want to say generic, but maybe like a little bit more generic to me just because I didn't know that much about them at the time. And I'm like, yeah, we've seen Twi'lek pilots. We've seen Jedi, even though Kanan is sort of, you know, the more, uh, you know, rough around the edges, the, the cowboy Jedi, they call him. And obviously the guy who grew up not having completed his formal Jedi training because of Order 66. But um, yeah, I, I definitely am more invested in those characters now just from reading this book. So I can't wait to see more of them on the show. Yeah, when we talked about this too. How after I know after you read it, and for me after I read certain chapters and stuff, you go and watch some of the Star Wars Rebels uh, clips or the shorts that come out <laughs> just to kind of get you more hyped up because that's what the book did. It just made you want to see more of these characters. So at certain points, I just after I read, I just go watch the Ghost in the Machine or the Machine in the Ghost short with Hera and uh, Kanan. It just fully captures what you're reading in the book, which is really cool. And another thing I liked about it too, which was one of the things I was really looking forward to reading was learning more about Kanan's uh, backstory as a Jedi. And we don't get too much of it, but there's a great opening of how the book opens with uh, the Jedi Temple, which is pretty cool. So again, we're not going into too much spoilers with it, but we do find out uh, Kanan's master 
and uh, who that character is and what happens <laughs> to Kanan in, in Order 66. We get that answered, but not in too much great detail. So uh, there's also one disappointment thing I got to say, and I think I'll come back to this more once we see the Star Wars Rebels premiere because it might tie into that, but it regards into some aspect of the Jedi and Kanan that I was expecting him to kind of... I'm trying to figure the right word without spoiling it because I'm trying to go spoiler-free here. But something for him to recognize as a Jedi that that didn't play out the way I thought. But again, it might have something to do with the premiere, which I want to see the premiere again because there might be a line or two that might harken, not harken back to it, but kind of explain why, uh, what I, what the complaint I've had and why that happened. So once we see the premiere, I'll go back to that and then, I guess give a big spoiler tag for out the book so those who haven't finished yet as to what why that happened. So stay tuned for that. But that was a one little minor complaint they had regarding the book and as far as Kanan and uh, him being a Jedi. Yeah, although you know one thing I thought was cool too, um there was there's a foreword in this book written by Dave Filoni, and then there's a line in the uh, in the opening chapter that I thought were almost written directly to fans who sort of felt betrayed by the fact that uh, you know that the old EU is no longer canon and that they're sort of wiping the slate clean and moving forward with all these stories. Um, and you know I know we're we've both sort of you know reconciled that and we've moved on and you know we can still enjoy the old stories and we're excited to see what's coming up with the new canon stories. But I know some people are still upset about that. And I thought it was kind of cool that there's a line in the beginning of the book where Obi-Wan Kenobi is in the Jedi Temple, you know, talking to some younglings and, um, you know, just teaching them about, like, the history of the Jedi Order and stuff like that. And uh, he's talking about... Well, actually, one thing that's kind of cool that it ties into is this whole distress beacon that Obi-Wan used to uh, to warn the Jedi away after Order 66. Um, because, you know, as we know, like, we, we've seen in these trailers for Rebels, like uh, Obi-Wan's recording, that he, his recorded message that he sent out. Um, and so the book starts with him talking about this beacon and how it's supposed to call all the Jedi back to Coruscant. Um, then he's talking about, you know, times throughout the history of the Jedi Order where there's been a great threat or something and all the Jedi have had to come back and, you know, fight off a Sith or an invasion or something like that. Um, and he's like, you know, some of these stories are true and some of them contain parts of truth, but, you know, all of them can teach you something um, or something like that. And I mean, I don't know if it was just me, but I definitely was like, wow, he's talking directly to the readers there. And he's like, there's a lot of Star <laughs> Wars stories. Some of them are canon and some of them aren't, but you can still enjoy all of them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, did, I can't say I had that reaction. I read that part because I was just intense in reading what Obi-Wan was saying but now that you mentioned it, it was like yeah I could kind of see that or maybe that is something for the, some fans who are still a little upset that the EU is no longer canon anymore <laughs> if, if they did do that great call on them <laughs> yeah I thought it was cool to you know be able to have that coming from the mouth of Obi-Wan rather than uh, you know just sticking it right in our faces um, but yeah I mean like I said it's it's a good book I think you know Tim, even though you had a little bit more, uh, you know, quarrels with it than I did. I mean, you liked it overall. Yeah, um, definitely. And, you know, like I said, uh, definitely something you should pick up if you're planning to watch Star Wars Rebels. Also over on uh, Entertainment, Entertainment Weekly, and we've also got a link to this on our site. Actually, I don't think it's on our site. It's on the Rebels podcast site, which you can link to from our site. But um, there's an audio excerpt uh, from the book that Vanessa Marshall did, um, you know, recorded uh, her lines as Hera. Um, 
just it's like a four minute segment of the book and it's pretty cool i listened to it after i had already read the whole book and so i listened to it and was like oh yeah i remember that part but um you know she's going through and just reading the uh just this excerpt from the book and doing her part as Hera. so that was pretty cool and you know i thought it was cool too that i've seen enough clips and trailers and stuff from the show already that I was able to read the entire book and pretty much heard uh, Freddie Prince Jr. and Vanessa yeah. Marshall's voices in my head the whole time as Kanan and Hera. Same here, yeah. And, uh, you and me being big Mass Effect fans, I was like, you know what? I haven't seen too much of uh, Freddie Prince Jr. as Kanan, but his voice is like automatically going into my head as I read this. And I remember, oh yeah, he was uh, in Mass Effect 3 <laughs> yeah. a, instead of Vega. So like, I think that played a part. Just being more familiar with his voice too. But yeah, right away we heard it. His voice and Vanessa Marshall. So again, it just that extra feeling that made the book more enjoyable, knowing what those characters sound like and how you're going to be hearing more of them later on in the actual series. Yeah, and you know, if you don't remember what they sound like, I'd say go watch the um, that seven minute uh, preview from the first episode and the machine and the ghost short again before you read the book. Yeah, definitely. And one thing too, I wanted to mention we we're talking about the design or like the look of Count Vidian. There was. In the latest issue of Star Wars Insider, for those who subscribe for it or just want to check it out in the store, there are some cool artwork that in the latest issue, because there's an uh, article about uh, A New Dawn, and there's some great artwork of certain scenes that play out in the book. And as I was flipping through the issue, I was like, come on, show Count Vidian, show Count Vidian. He's not in there, but like, darn it, could have got a good review of what he looked like. But still, seeing some of the other sequences in the book shown in uh, that artwork was pretty cool. So definitely check that out if you're... Uh, read Star Wars Insider. Oh, yeah, I might have to go check that out myself. Yeah, just don't expect Count Vidian in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, wow. Okay, we have reached the end of all the stuff we have to talk about. Lots of Episode yeah, 7 rumors, lots of Star Wars Rebel stuff. This has been one of our longest episodes in a long time. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, you can uh, look us up on StarWarsTSC.com. You can find us on social media at Facebook.com slash continues and Twitter.com at uh, just at StarWarsTSC on Twitter. And real quick, Kyle, before you finish speaking of social media, I just got to give a quick thanks to everyone who responded to that question I posed as far as which helmet is the coolest Uh uh, our Troopers helmet, Darth Vader's, or Jango Fett's, or Mandalorian's. Got some good responses, and at the end of the day, it's kind of mixed. <laughs> there is no clear winner when you count the Facebook responses and the Twitter responses, but that was just a question that I was always thinking about. Which one is cooler? I can never decide, so I wanted to get other people's feedback on there, so appreciate everyone responding and hearing what your choice is on the coolest helmets, because they don't get much cooler than those three, in my opinion, so <laughs> I still can't pick one, but at the end of the day, they're all just great to great armor visually helmets to look at and as i said before can't wait to see what new ones are going to be added with episode seven but between those threes i thought it'd be a fun discussion to get uh people's responses for what they think is the coolest so thanks everyone for responding yeah and you know what when i saw you posted that i just went tim why would you do that to me because that is hard to pick i got a few of those responses yes (laughs) yeah i mean you put up darth vader's helmet and then uh fives arc trooper helmet from the clone wars and then jango fett's helmet um and i was like okay i can immediately rule out jango fett because i love mandalorians and their armor and everything but um i mean jango fett isn't you know my favorite uh example of mandalorian armor now if you if you would put boba fett up there then it would have been harder but see i think jango fett's better than boba fett's (laughs) I don't know. I, I like Boba Fett's just because it has more detail and different colors and stuff to it, I think. 
I can see um, that. I just rather love the than just like the, the all silver with the blue visor on Django Fett. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love the look of the clone troopers and, you know, the art troopers in particular on Clone Wars. And I mean, Fives is, you know, probably one of my favorite clone troopers on that show. But then, of course, it's like, how do you, you know, live with yourself if you pick anybody over Darth Vader? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, because. I mean, for at least for me with Darth Vader, it's like not just the helmet design, but it's like what that represents, you know? True, yeah. Like, I might like the ARC Trooper helmet a little bit better just from a purely aesthetic standpoint, but as far as movie villains go, like, there is no more iconic image than Darth Vader's helmet as far as just, you know, great villains in cinema history. Um so, yeah, I mean, that that was a tough choice. But I noticed that a lot of people responded to it and seemed to, uh, you know, enjoy just sort of thinking about that. So maybe we'll do some more of those polls in, a few, in the future. And that was a, a good idea by you. I'm always I'm already thinking I might post, uh, you know, some spaceships for people to choose from or some lightsaber hilts or something like that. So, um, you know, maybe that's something fun we can do more often in the future. Um, so again, you guys can find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, starwarstsc.com. If you have email for us and you want to send us questions, comments, thoughts about the show, thoughts about Star Wars, anything like that, um, you can send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. And, uh, a lot of times, you know, we'll read emails on the show and respond to you guys directly. So we love to hear feedback from our listeners. And, uh, for those of you who've responded to Tim's poll and who send us messages and tweets and stuff all the time, uh, thanks for, uh, you know, being involved with us and, uh, keep it up. We love hearing from you guys. So, um, like I said, the Rebels premiere is like October 3rd. So that we might just do our, our first ep- or our next episode, uh, that weekend after that, unless there's like some groundbreaking episode seven news before that. But uh, either way, you guys know we'll be back with another episode as soon as we've got some more cool new Star Wars stuff to talk about, be it a Rebels premiere or Star Wars Episode 7 news or whatever else. But uh, until then, thank you guys for listening. May the Force be with you, and we will see you next time. See you later, everybody. Uh